On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick are back with another session of Andor School, which will feature their review and breakdown of Episode 9, Nobody's Listening. This week, Andor School will extend into a preview of its second season, courtesy of Lord Gilroy, and some new quotes of his on the show's final season. The homies will stick to Star Wars TV by diving into some official The Acolyte news and a few bits on the Mandalorian Season 3. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! And just like that, it's time for a hey now, everybody. We see you in the live stream crowd getting impatient. That's how we like it. You know, when we, when we, when we start late, it builds that anticipation and or scares most people away because they're like, hey, these assholes are never on time. Their technology sucks. Their mics blow. And in general, they're really not that entertaining. But we are here six minutes late, but... We never have an official start time. All you need to know about the Star Wars Time Show Tuesday afternoons, sometime around 2.30 p.e. So we're going to be live talking Star Wars and all sorts of pop culture, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. And yes, Nick, we have now confirmed our handle as Star Wars Time Show. Confirmed. <laughs> Funny thing is, I actually I actually tried to just put in Star Wars time. Some fuckers got it. Somebody so had it? What a fuck. Yeah, we, we, we couldn't even use that one <laughs> anyway. That's great. So. I, I wonder if I tried it because I set up the initial like YouTube.com slash Star Wars time show. I wonder if I tried Star Wars time and it was gone at that point too. Yeah, it's but. probably for that asshole that is squatting on StarWarsTime.com. Yeah. Where at one point in time, he literally, it was like a fan page for... Bears. I think... He, yeah, like, but but I think it was for like Kodiak Chew, oh, or that's Grizzly, like or Grizzly, like this is like a fan page for Dip. Um, but hey, we're here, we're ready. We got some Andor to talk. Uh, not gonna do a three-hour show today. I've got some real life to attend to, so we, we got to keep things somewhat on task. Which means Matt, don't fuck things up. You know, I can always <laughs> rely on Nick for being short and to the point. I'm the one that usually <laughs> likes to take trips around the globe to make a point. So um, I, I got to do better at being me today. But hey, who knows? We're going to have some fun. Uh, we got Andor episode nine. Nobody's listening, Tino, to break down and review. We've got some official news for the Acolyte finally, which is pretty dope. We got a synopsis. The cast list has been finalized. Some new names and faces popped up that I want to talk about with Nick. We got some Mandalorian season three themes to uh, kind of be aware of. And one site is reporting some interesting things that may happen with Moff Gideon's kit talking his armor in Mando S3. So we, we, we got an action-packed Star Wars-filled day for you. And um, sorry if the video is lagging. Who the hell knows what's going on? But I am transmitting at upwards of 8,000 kilobits per second, which should be plenty. So who the hell knows what's going on anymore? You're just going to have to deal with it. 
This makes no sense, Nick. I mean, literally, it's like here. Here's here's the beauty of YouTube and why I don't. I'm not going to take blame for this. Here's the warning I'm getting in the dashboard. Oh, yeah. The stream's current bit rate of five thousand and eleven point ninety eight kbps is lower than the recommended bit rate. But but here's wow. the kicker. Here is the kicker. We recommend that you use a stream bit rate of forty five hundred kbps. <laughs> That's what I was. I knew it was. I knew it was like, lower than fuck? five thousand. Hey Google, get your head out of your ass! Like, what is it? I, 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 we are sending data over your minimum requirement. Hey, Amen. Okay, so don't blame it on me. Blame it on Google. It, it makes no sense. I, I can tell you right now. I'm in the green. All signs ready to go. You may fire when ready. All right, Nick, so real quick, we, 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 uh, we promised the people, and I don't like to go back on my promises, that we, we talk, do a little pop culture, uh, pop culture talk, specifically about the peripheral new series on Amazon Prime that is kind of, as I teased last week, helped fill the void of Rings of Power dropping out, House of the Dragon, all, all that stuff we had in the early part of the, the fall is now gone. We're, we're, we're just left with Andor. But luckily, we got this show, The Peripheral, starring Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz, Jack mm-hmm. Rayner, on Amazon Prime. Uh, and you have now consumed the first three episodes. Uh, first there are three, four yes. That was you my, got the first I, I three. I failed in. my homework. Matt gave me homework to watch all four. We only watched three. That's on me. It's all right, because like me. I told Nick, <laughs> if it weren't for my uh, nice amounts of downtime on the weekends... I would have failed too because it took me three viewings to get through the peripheral episode four. And that is not a knock on the show. That's a knock on this old guy here who, if he tries to watch stuff at night that you need to be paying attention to, his brain turns off and says, no, thanks. Let's try again tomorrow. So uh, (laughs) it it took me three viewings to get through peripheral E4, but it had nothing to do with the show, the plot, none of that stuff. Um, so real quick, dude, what, what, what do you think about the peripheral? And, and as Justin's saying in here, SW props, it is from the careers of Westworld where just last week we were pontificating is Westworld coming back for a final season. And the answer has been made and it is official. No, uh, it will. Not. HBO <laughs> said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Nolan's brother. No more. But they have this show for us. So, Nick, I mean, you, you, you didn't see it last week, so go ahead. What, what's your quick take on the first three episodes? Is this something worth getting into? It's, Is it as hard as a woodpecker's beak, as the <laughs> intern described it? I, I, I'm not as high on it as Ryan is, a.k.a. the intern. Um, so I enjoy it. I think it's a good show. Here's what I told Taylor, and this is a very like personal thing to me. The, the, the Southern accent is is like listening to nails on a chalkboard to me i I, i'm with you dude i i've said this on this podcast like i don't know how you made it out of the deep (laughs) south not sounding like you didn't pass third grade yeah yeah and it's it it was one of those things too where it's like i i watched the first two episodes and like the themes were good and like the action was good and i was like man like the show itself it has like a future dystopian feel and all this other things that I would like true that I truly enjoy. And I'm like time travel. Yeah. Like lots of cool shit. And I'm like, why don't I like this as much as I probably should? And I <laughs> sat down and I thought about it. And while we were watching episode three, I was like, I know why I don't like it. It's these fucking Southern accents 
that are just like when I listen to that, it just like make like in my brain, it's like makes me cringe a little bit. Like I'm glad you're saying that because you're you're usually not an awful person like me, but I we we definitely share this pet peeve. Yeah, and I know. Hey, listen, if you're in the South, you're probably like, oh, you Northern elite idiots. Okay. like I'm but from it, 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 deep southeastern Louisiana, yeah, and Nick like, literally should talk like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to wash all blah 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 blah. Go watch episode nine and shit. Go shit. I mean, that, that's what he should sound like. Like my my, I have family members that talk like that, all, like in half talk <laughs> oh, hi, like nigga, that my entire back life. To the <laughs> so like, I, it shouldn't bother me, but like, yeah, it's I, dude, it's I get just it. I get one it. of those things that like. The show itself and the themes and the writing and everything is strong, but it's that is the one thing that is preventing and, and dude, me from the best really part is they're just in North Carolina, so they're not they I don't know. even have like the the thick Alabama or Mississippi dialect where yeah. you know it's like okay, dude, have you fucked your sister or a goat today? You know what I mean? I mean that that that's what we're talking about. And yes, I'm making general observations about the South, but Nick has a point. Uh, I, I don't care. I mean, someone from the South with a thick accent. They could they could have a doctorate. They could have graduated, you know, Uma Guma Cum Laude. The moment they talk, you you question if they have any intelligence. I'm sorry. That's just it's just how it goes. It's just, it's just one of those goes. things, man, where like and it's like I don't like, you know, have any less respect for people that have like Southern it, accents yeah. or anything it's like that. It's just hard to process. Yeah, it is. It's just one of those things that like in my head I hear it and it's just like it, it doesn't. <laughs> Like it just annoys me a little bit. It just like gives me you know like a it's little funny bit though? of a cringe thing. Yeah. Around the world, Nick, most countries think Americans sound like the South. Like, yeah. like we all sound like that to at least people in England. You know, we all sound like we've got a, a fucking foot in our mouth or, <laughs> you know, we're chewing on some cut or something. So, all right. So, you, you know, you, you digging it, but the accent's a bit too much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wish that like uh, when she would be like, when she was in her stub or like when she is like in 2090 that she dropped it. Like, I wish that yeah. that was kind of a thing where it's like, okay. Yeah. You, the, the, the peripheral, like the bot actually just yeah, has like, an, an English proper English accent. Yeah. Or just no accent at all. Just like very, <laughs> anything hey, look, but the I, goddamn Southern accent. But Hey, I just grew another head. Yeah. <laughs> See this, the, the little lady is here. This is my second head. I was eating nuclear waste over the weekend and sprouted a head out of my right shoulder. So, welcome, new head. You want to say hello to the world here? Hello. <laughs> oh, there she is. All right, buddy. Good to see you. Welcome back. May the force be with us. All right. Just got to get our iPad to do some homework. Like a good little lady. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? Very keep, cool. Keep kicking butt. All right, so... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I the accents definitely didn't affect me, even though I just kind of went on a, a diatribe about how uh, the Southern ask, accent kind of disgusts me. Uh, but yeah, that, that didn't affect me. What affected me is just, like I said, having an old man's brain and body and, and having a few pops on the weekend. Not good for watching a show like this late at night. So <laughs> um, you, you got to, this is a show, as Nick set up, you know, some time travel. These stubs are alternate timelines. You're going here, you're going there, so you, you got to be paying attention. But I, I'm sticking with it. I dig the show. Uh, it it does, as I was telling Nick earlier, you you, you get 
you get a, a, enough answers in episode four that it, it's a series where you're not feeling like, okay, is this going anywhere? Are they ever going to explain what the fuck's going on? I feel like episode four, they, they kind of come in towards the end and start peeling a few layers back where you go, oh, okay, I can kind of start to speculate where things are going to go. And I'm, I'm still excited. So uh, if you have been looking for a replacement for some of the excellent TV that's dropped off your schedule, uh, I'm still a fan of the peripheral and look forward to it every week. We got episode five dropping, I think, this Friday. So definitely agree. Y'all should check it out. Good stuff on there. And um, real quick on gaming, you gonna you gonna fuck with Ragnarok, or are I, you so far from I haven't modern even, games like me? You didn't even know it released this week. <laughs> I, I did know it released, but I haven't even finished the first one. I haven't finished like the the proper God of War from 2018. I did uh, okay. start it, Got and I I am I'm not very far into it. I'm probably only shit five hours in or something like that. Oh yeah, you you got some time. So I got a lot of a lot of playing left. So I I am not going to get it, and more than likely by the time I actually pick it up, it'll be on sale. <laughs> so yeah. So, so did you ever finish uh, Horizon whatever the fuck it is too? I didn't even buy Horizon two. Okay, like oh you you started going through the first one, but I, I'm I started going you, through you the tapped first out of that right. Yeah, and then I tapped out, and I was like, I'll just skip it and play the second one whenever <laughs> I want to. Yeah, and I haven't even done that, man. I was like, I realized this year above all years. I mean, I, I have a dedicated gaming time on the weekend. Worked it out with the boss. It, it's there. I have it if I want to use it, and I still find myself just going. Eh. Don't really care. Not not like I used to. I mean, I used to be so in the know with gaming. A, I made a site for myself so I could get into the gaming media and get free stuff and go to events. And B, I would say my excitement for games was no different than my excitement for Star Wars. Yeah. And after 10 years working in the media, it sucked all of that joy. Just sucked it all out. And then, you know, I had yeah. a kid. That, that, that kind of added to the problem. Uh, but these days, I... I Sadly, I think I have to classify myself as a casual gamer. Um, I am playing Modern Warfare 2, and I am digging it. I haven't played COD in a few years, and nothing's changed, okay? So I'm not, like, saying it's some crazy ass, like, oh, my God, this COD is the COD. <laughs> but they do do, like, Tom Clancy-ass stories pretty well, and, and, the, and the shooter controls are always good, and... I love shooters, and it's been a while since I've just played a, you know, like I said, just a traditional COD. So it's that's been nice to get back to. But even still, I mean, I get a new COD, I'd pop it in the minute I get it. I try to beat it on normal and go through it on veteran. I mean, it would be like a daily thing. Now it's like, oh yeah, I'll play it for an hour on Saturday, and then that that may be it for the week, and and I'm okay with that because I always got my phone crack. I'm still going strong on Swago. That game. uh haven't quit it yet. What is it now? We'll, we'll be. Go I'll be going on seven oh, years so with that game. I think, that for a long, bro. Long seven time. years this month. I think. I think it dropped November 2015. So insane, insane. Live yeah, long I mean, and prosper. Will go. The the only difference to me is like, like for me, like I I keep like I play stuff every now and then, like. But I'll play like live service games. Like I just started playing Hearthstone again because Blizzard gave me 80 free card packs for Hearthstone. And that the reason that I stopped playing it is because like it's it's a pay to win game. Like you have to buy yeah. these card packs to get the cards to play the 
sets and all this shit. So they gave me 80 free ones and I was like, okay, I'll play a little bit. Um, but mostly what I've been playing now is like on my steam deck, you know, like I've been playing that Scarlet Nexus game on steam deck that I'm like pretty far into. I'm 20 hours into that game. Um, and then I'll play like a little bit of Hearthstone or some other like, you know, small, uh, small games on steam deck. But yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to. So my gaming, my gaming time has definitely become casual as well. Oh, yeah. I, I need to dust off the Steam Deck. I've let that poor bastard rest for a little bit. I mean, I, I think since mid-October, I haven't touched it, but I, I knew that was coming. I did. I was surprised with myself over the summer. I used it more than I thought, but it, it now, too, has gone by the wayside. So, yay me. I like I like spending money and wasting it. As you, <laughs> I wish I, I should show you. I mean, you collectors out there right now would probably vomit if I showed you how many unopened Black Series I have from probably the past four months that... I don't know if I even want to open them. I, I may throw them up on eBay. I mean, I just got the John Favreau heavy Mandalorian figure. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> got a lot of the Kenobi shit. Got the holiday special Boba Fett Black Series. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't really care about the Black Series anymore. So I think I've I've officially killed that, thankfully. But Hot Toys still alive and strong. All right, dude, let's go ahead and get into some Star Wars time. Why not? It's the name of the show. We might as well talk about it. And these days, we love talking Andor, even though I'm I'm starting to see more and more. I mean, honestly, Nick, the one thing, I know you don't go on socials, but I think the one thing, at least from my perspective with Andor, is I think the crazies are so turned off on it that they've they've just quit. So you you don't even get inundated with Andor's so slow. I hate it. I'd rather watch paint dry, you know, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But I think it also affects just general interest, you know, views on the breakdowns are down. It just doesn't seem like the Star Wars fan base, the one that we know, the one that goes gaga for all things Star Wars, has really embraced this series like it would a, a Kenobi, a Mando, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and I not think, that I care. Like, I, I really don't yeah. give a shit anymore. I think that probably why a lot of those people have fallen off is it is starting to just kind of turn into a a generic spy show. I'll I'll put it that way. And it's not that's not I'm not trying to like dismiss it or like or like down talk the show because the show itself is very well written. The show is does a really good job of like character exploration and in, in, in like, you know, diving into some of these characters' histories and giving you context into the decisions that they make and, and stuff like that. But it at certain at a certain point, I did just kind of come to the realization to where like it has like Star Wars set dressing in like not even in every place. Like sometimes it has Star Wars set dressing, but more often than not, like it just does kind of feel like a generic thriller spy TV show, and you're missing the Star Wars angle to it a bit, but Hey, I mean, that's that's kind of what Tony was going for like that. That's you know, that was kind of his pitch. Yeah, I, I don't I, I mean, and I think that's why I've been down with it. I, I it has delivered exactly what the creators were selling. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he told us from the get go, like, listen, this this ain't your fucking mom and dad Star Wars people. This ain't for little, you know, Bobby Joe and, and Lucy Lou. This is the grit. This is getting down, uh, as Andy Circus I think said uh, or quoted this week. We're getting into the 
the grit of the oyster type of stuff in Star Wars storytelling with Andor. And, and it, it clearly isn't for everyone, but it's still for me. And that's all I care about. So, Nick, let's go ahead and, and get into our full on breakdown as we do on the SWTS of Andor S1 E9. Nobody's listening. So uh, go ahead. What say you about thine episode? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was a decent middle part. Um you know, really dived into the prison situation. We also got some more info on Vel. Um, overall, I thought it was a good episode. Was it one of my favorites? No. Um, usually the middle ones are, uh, you know, kind of like a tension building episode and then you get your payoff in, in the next. And that's the same that we're seeing here. Um, I did mention to Matt that I kind of had two issues with, with two of the B plots that like in the direction that they ended up going, um, specifically with Cyril and with Mon Mothma and Tay Colma. Um, not a fan of how they treated those, honestly. Um, the Cyril angle of him being just like a weird incel just kind of sucks. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. You don't like creepy Cyril? It just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, in, in my opinion, like you had a you had an opportunity to make that character something more interesting and maybe you still will because there's still time left in this season. But to like turn him into like some creepy incel that all of a sudden like hey, like for his entire fucking arc for this show, he's been super dedicated to like finding out this issue like. Andor, 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 Cassian Andor. He's a bad guy. We have to do something about him. And then all of the sudden, like, he's just this creepy incel that wants to follow Mira around. Like, it, it, it See, just, I am. Um, I still feel like, yes, I, 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 I definitely got, I, I think he, he has some feeling for her. There's no doubt about that. Oh, or yeah. At least he, that's how the scene was shot. Yeah. But I, I still think, and while it's creepy... I think ultimately in his head, he still feels like Miro and I, we're the only ones that get it. I need her so I can prove to everyone that I'm not a, a dummy more than I, I want to get hot and heavy with this girl. I, I still got like some of his creepiness and the stalking stems from that burning desire to clear his name and track down Andor, but it sounds like you 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 took it completely the other way. He's just I mean, being a fucking creep. <laughs> we'll see. Like uh, like, like I come said, here, little I, girl, I, do you want to see what's under my coat? Like a deal. Because like the thing was is like that whole scene. Like to me, that whole scene. Like they should have just skipped it. There was no plot furthering there. There was no character development there, other than the character development of something that I didn't like. But hey, that's just you know you're yeah. not making the show for me to like. You're making the show the way that that Tony wants it. But to me, like, I guess it could still. And that's why I said, like, we'll see how it plays out over the rest of the season. But like the incel, like creepy hanger on stalker angle is just, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't pay off for me. Oh, dude, wait, wait to see the love, the love video someone created for him. It's perfect. I think I threw it in our discord, which if you <laughs> want to join, we got a link in our Instagram at star Wars time show. Check it out. But yeah, so people are already shipping Serial and Deidre, and I actually had a name for them, and I forget it. I did a hashtag, because I, I actually thought it was pretty clever. Uh, clearly not clever enough to go to, viral. To remember. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, like so I, I didn't like that, um, but we'll see how that progresses. Um, in the, the 
like the take home and Mon Mothma angle to where it just turns into like, oh, well, you're looking at my bank account, right? Like how, how can I make my bank account look cool or like look copacetic? Like to me, that was just like super anticlimactic and boring, but you know, like, yeah, I, I think where they're going there, it's like, she's got this 400,000 credits she needs to make up or she's dinged. Yeah. But like, and I don't give a fuck about the only way her 400,000 credit missing out of her well, bank account because that's not interesting, but I mean, maybe I, I, it will yeah, turn I, into something. We'll I, I think, yeah, I think the whole deal is if they don't cover it up, then, then Mon, Mon's ploy of being a rebel is, is not going to last too long because that's going to get flagged and be like, well, where the fuck's the money? What are you doing with it? And, Bam, she's taken off the map right off the start. And I think it was to also show that Mon is going to have to start dealing with shady people in this. Who the fuck was that? Davos Skulkin yeah, or Skaldoon, who yeah. clearly sounds like a shady motherfucker that she would never want to deal with. But because of the situation she's in, she's going to have to go with it. So that I don't know. That That's how I took it. So, um, yeah. All right. So, so I mean, you know, those two, those two B plots, not a huge fan of. We'll see where they progress for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall the episode was okay. Like it was okay to me. Yeah. So I too, like, like, listen, you know, last week I, I said this, the, the, the episode eight lacked tension. I, I felt like that carried a bit over into episode nine. I, I still wasn't sitting there going like, Oh shit, what's going to happen? You you can kind of see where things are going. I, and not that that's a horrible thing. It's just a different feeling that I've had with the first seven episodes. So I still feel like that, that lack of just edge of your seat tension was still missing a bit from nine. It, it, it was up there from eight, but not at the level that I had uh, kind of experienced with the previous seven episodes. Uh, it, it, it lacked key moments for me. I mean, I, I think I only marked down four, which usually means, you know, there's a lot of exposition without like, oh shit, they said that, or they did this, or this is going there type of stuff. Um, in terms of, I, there was something you brought up that I wanted to talk about that I just forgot because I'm a, I'm a douchebag. <laughs> what was the first point you didn't like? Oh, creepy uh, Cyril, right? Yeah, Cyril. Well, man, his, I, I already uh... talked about that, I think, so... Um, you know what I like the most, and, and I really picked up on this on my second rewatch where I, I didn't have to take notes and all this stuff is, I mean, this episode without a doubt shows that Cassie and Andor is, he, he knows how to motivate people to do something. Yeah. I mean, we come to this episode and, and we saw it in episode eight after his 30 days, he was working much better with the, with the team. He kind of got with the program. We come in the, into this episode and he's kind of the de facto leader of his table at this point. Um, I mean, you, you can see that they, they look to him. He, he makes calls to make sure that they're making their parts quicker. He's organized with other tables to go in there and start sawing at that electrical conduit or steam pipe, something in the bathroom. Yep, He's yep. talking with that black guy about, okay, look, watch, they're going to do this. And then, oh yeah, the elevator. So it's like, you can really see, I think for the first time, the Cassian that we meet in Rogue One, he's, he's, he's starting to get there. He is Maybe without him even knowing it, he is starting to motivate people to rebel. And that's who he becomes. He becomes one of the biggest motivators to get people to do 
essentially suicide missions with, you know, like, sign me up. Yes, Cassian, we're going to die. I want to go. Yeah. And, and I really felt that in this episode in the way he was interacting with his, his cellmates, his table mates, unit mates, and really him and Kino and, and how their dynamic changed throughout the episode where Kino was like, fuck you. I'm a short timer. Keep your head down. Shut up. Let's just get out of here. Uh, but by the end, when Kino realizes what everyone else has been trying to tell him, that they're all nobody, fucked and nobody yeah, gets out. <laughs> yeah. In case anyone missed what happened there at the end, they, they, they messed up. That prison messed up. They released someone on one level, but brought him back into another level. They found out and that's why they had to fry everyone. So the, the, the cat's out of the bag now in this prison system that you are done. Once you're in here, you never leave till you die. Yep. And that, that finally got Kino going. So I, I, I really enjoyed the, the prison sequences probably the most. Uh, the, the other stuff to me, there were some interesting things we'll talk about in our top moments. But as Nick said, it was more just, okay, yeah, spy stuff, thriller stuff, drama here, drama there, setting more things in, in motion to eventually knock those dominoes over. Um, so still quality writing, expert acting. I mean, I, I think Andy Serkis deserves an Emmy nod for a supporting character or guest star. I don't even know if that's a category, but uh, he's been phenomenal as Kino Loy. I, I mean, I just love that man. Yeah. Uh, you know, him and Diego together are great. And really, like I said, it, it, the prison stuff stood out to me. So uh, I, I think it, it did what it needed to do to make episode 10, which should be a, a banger of an episode. I mean, we're, we're clearly going to get some action in 10. Uh, I would think they they get out. And by they, probably just Melshi and Cassian um, at the expense of their their unit mates. Yeah, I would that, agree. That's what, that. ha- that's what happens in a rebellion. You know what I mean? Just like Val is, is telling her cousin Mon, which interesting. Yeah, that's uh, Listen, thing. you know, we, we, we made our choice. Rebellion first, then, then we can be rich girls after that. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. Still a, a huge fan of the series. I, I dig the different tone and direction from the other series. And I'm, I'm okay with this type of Star Wars. Um, it is very heady. It's just sit down and listen versus sit down and keep your eyes open and, and look for flashy lights. Yeah. All right. So... Let's go ahead and get into this episode's top four moments, at least the ones I, I counted down, starting with the opening interrogation of Bix. And Nick, what I, I, I think what I appreciate most about this episode, besides the performances of the um, female actors here, I, th- I thought, um, what's her name, Adriana, she was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Denise as, as Dedra is, is fantastic. Really, what I think what stood out to me in this in this scene is just kind of how awful Miro is. I, I mean, I, I think she has been one of the best written characters so far in that at the beginning of the series, she was written in a way and her scenes were delivered in a way to make fans empathize with her, to almost feel bad for her, you know, like shut up, you girl, shut up, rookie. You don't know shit, even though we as fans knew that she was making the correct assumptions. And if they would have listened to her, they probably could have prevented Aldani. Yeah. But now, like most people, once they get more power, we can see that she's just like all the other scumbag Imperials. (laughs) She's just as fascisty as the as the rest. Oh, yeah. And and it it proves that it doesn't matter what, what, what sex you are. 
if if you're the type of person that that gets intoxicated by ultimate power and authoritarian rule, or however you would say that, if you were smart, authoritarian, it can, yeah, it can corrupt anyone. And I mean, she is just a, a horrible person. I mean, she she essentially tortured Bix for fun because Bix is like, listen, I, I could tell you everything right now, but you're still not going to believe me, right? And she said, yeah. So let's let's fry your brain with the screams of dying children of a species the Empire genocided. Like, I love getting those types of insights into how awful the Empire was. You, you, you never you, you don't get this granular level explanation of how terrible the Empire is in, in pretty much anything else. Yeah. No. I mean, outside of seeing them blow up a planet, which is pretty fucking terrible. But just hearing all these little things, I mean, what's his name? Dr. Gorst. Who else can't wait for that guy to fucking die? Ooh, I mean, he yeah, just. Yeah, like just the, uh, <laughs> I mean, like I, I was the whole time when he was describing stuff. I'm like, I wonder if they're actually going to play the sound for us to hear. I know. But, and But they didn't. And I was like, I'm kind of like, I was of two minds. I was like, it would have been cool if they would have like let us hear a snippet of it. But like not knowing what it was and just seeing how it affected her was pretty insane as well so yeah and it's like props is saying here in the live stream chat um adria's acting is what sold it to us as viewers like that's bad yeah. Yeah, whatever, exactly. whatever the fuck she's listening to is bad i mean just when she puts it on and it's comp- i love how they they chose like you said just complete silence for a little bit then eventually she's just like yeah. like fucking getting her brains liquefied and then when we pick up after that her acting, just her physical acting, where, you know, her face looks droopy. I mean, this poor girl looks like she had a stroke on set for her performance. Yeah. I mean, That's it good was stuff. Pretty so, pretty yeah, insane. I mean, really, the, all the interrogation stuff, uh, while it didn't really go anywhere or, or tell us anything we didn't know as fans, because we, we kind of know behind the scenes, uh, it, it was just great acting, great writing, but it really showcased these two characters in different lights. You had the the evil female drunk with power now and then you had the the rebellious one doing everything she could to protect the rebel movement and you know her 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 buddy um so good stuff there in that uh opening sequence yeah definitely um definitely. you know nick before the show started i was like hey mon 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 i'm team mon i, I want to see more and and we, we finally got a a fleshed out senate chamber scene and one that I think we were expecting to see where you, you can really start to see the Senate just fucking quitting at yeah, this point. Yeah, there's no I mean, interest at all anymore. Yeah, you, you had to love this. I mean, poor Mon is out there giving a passionate speech about how we're losing our freedoms and, and you know, this this sacred body of ours, the Senate. We, we are the protectors of this. How can we just keep pissing away our rights and, and making the empire vis-a-vis Palpatine? essentially a a a god i mean at at this point with the prod he has essentially seized full control over the galaxy and what the scene i think did for me is this 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 was the end of this the senate ever being a a functioning government body ever again under palpatine even though you could probably say that that happened on empire day but this to me was like when when everyone for the most part just finally were like you know what fuck it 
We're going full on dictatorship. Who cares? Turn off our pod lights. Shut this bitch up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I I don't know if it's hmm. like the way that this was positioned, like is I, I can't tell if like Mon is the only center that's like holding on to this idea that she can still make a difference. Or if there were a few, there, there were a few yeah. chiming in, like "let her speak," yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but but there were more people going "boo, fuck you," and basically turning their lights off exactly. in protest. So like, I'm I'm trying to figure out like, is it that like Palpatine just got to these like to some of these other senators or most of these other senators already, or like in terms of like financial stuff, like has he been or you know the the empire been like padding their pockets a little bit to just say like hey let us do what we're going to do and then you'll be fine or if it literally is just like all of these other senators just think that the empire is just doing a great job like what well, dude uh, <laughs> I, I mean i i always hate tying things back to modern politics but i mean just just look at our situation here we had a in my opinion, a corrupt leader, but look at what the party has done. They've, they've all fallen in line and he ain't paying anybody. It it really is like for some people, the, the allure of, of complete and absolute power is enough to compromise any moral value they may pretend to have or have had in the past. And and I don't think it's any different in star Wars. I I mean, this, this dates back to even the, the fall of the Republic, as we saw through tales of the Jedi, there were always corrupt senators taking more for them than their own people. So it's not surprising that now when you have an an emperor essentially taking everything, but still giving them their, their power over their people, they're like, why the fuck would I want to rock this boat? This is even better now than the Republic because I don't have to deal with the the righteous Jedi or these other fucking senators. They just, I've got the man behind me doing way worse shit than me. So it's all good to go. So I I think that's what it is. It's just like, hey, more power for me, less headache. Fuck it. Why, why make a stand? Because look, look at, look what happens if you make a stand. That's what they're thinking. Like, do I want to be Mon Mothma sitting there? putting a target on my fucking head by speaking against this empire that has now issued the new PROD and is locking people up for life. Fuck no. You know, Uh, I mean, a lot of us, you know, I'm a, I'm a doomsdayer, but a lot of us at some point in time, and it's wild to even think this because I, I I thought I'd be half dead before I would have to think this, but a lot of us at some point in time may have to make a stand in life and quit being silent and pick a fucking side, right, Val? Pick <laughs> a fucking yeah. side. All right. So, uh, definitely dig that shit. Uh, and poor, you know, she, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really, I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of, of Genevieve O'Reilly with each episode. No, not yeah, so much her, her, her senatorial garb, not really, but when she gets to her embassy or her apartments and she puts on those white flowing gowns, whoo. God bless redheads. And here she <laughs> is for my next top moment. And Nick, let's kind of dig into this one a little bit because apparently we, we were both wrong on Vel and, and Vel Sartha seems to be Vel Sartha. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a rich Shandrillan relative of Mon Mothma. So I guess in, in kind of my thoughts section here, now that we know that Vel and Mon are related and based on their discussion, which I, I found to be a top moment, 
Does it not sound like Vel recruited Mon into yeah, this thing? It definitely seems like it. It definitely seems like she was involved with Luthen at first. And then, I mean, she probably already knew from, you know, Mon Mothma's involvement in like the earlier Right, um, that she like, was she was safe to at least approach. Yeah, like the earlier senatorial objections to Palpatine's reach of power, like during fucking Revenge of the Sith. Um, so she already knew that she was on this borderline of rebellion, anyway. So, yeah, it does seem like she is the one that kind of pulled Mon into this, and then um, introduced made the introduction to Luthen. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a safe safe bet for sure yeah it's i mean we you know we we had a lot of questions on vel uh, even many episodes ago we we were the first people to go hey man how, how does someone like her get on coruscant so easily and look so well well to do and well now we know yeah she's not related to luthan or any of that shit she's literally a rich person from shandrilla yeah, and she and, like yeah, I also like how Mon says at one point like, "Hey, go act like a rich girl for a little for while, a little so, bit, right. yeah, so people know that you're still around." And that's where you notice Val essentially re uh, re speaks or or kind of repurposes Cinta's advice to her uh, because last episode Cinta's like, "Listen, we 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 can't sit down and and play with each other and and you know flick our nipples." Until we win. The rebellion comes first. And what does Val do to Mon? Hey, Mon, I can't be a rich girl on Chandrilla because the rebellion comes first. So it's almost like she she reassures herself through Cinta's advice, which just, again, shows you the great writing in this series. Um, but it, it, it's odd that, like, there's no mention of the, of the Sarthas in, in any sort of lore. So she is, to me, like a true... New character, yeah, definitely related to Mon. I mean, even Perrin knows about her. And he was making fun of her, like, "Hey, you're essentially for Shandrillin women. You're an old bag. You'll be lucky. <laughs> you'll be lucky to be gifted to a widower." I don't know if anyone else picked up on that, but like, yeah, Shind- Shandrilla's got some really, really fucked up shit when it comes to, uh, you know, wedding women off to to men. It's very it seems medieval. Like it is still like, uh, you know, it, it's still arrange marriages like that's yeah. yeah yeah and and val is essentially considered damaged goods because she's so old and not paired off yet yeah and and, and, and dickhead parent made sure to to kind of make call, that point yeah. call that out Just, yeah but that, who showed up guy, again during this scene fucking lita man i'm telling you lita, there, yeah. lita is going to do something but i still also, believe it like seeing lita and like seeing how she is kind of attached to Vel too like she she really likes Vel I'm telling you she's gonna fuck it up I, I yeah I wonder how this is gonna go down between them because it's a very interesting dynamic she she, right she she's picked up on her mom hanging with her old boyfriend Tay she even dropped that line again she yep. clearly loves cousin Val Vel way more than her mom she fucking hates her mom like she's at that age 
where she's either just going to be that girl that hates her mom or she truly just does not like her mom because she thinks her mom's a goody two shoes and always makes her follow the rules and can't do whatever she wants. Like most teens would probably be. Yeah. But I just, they keep popping her up in the mon scenes. Just think of her as like a a living speaker and she's eventually going to say something at the wrong time to somebody that's going to get a light bulb that goes off that could cause problems for her cousin or her mom or her family in general. I don't know. I just, I just have a feeling like you don't include a character like her as often as she has been included just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Just to remind us that she hates her mom. Like we got that scene one day one when, when Lita, Lida, whatever was introduced, she hates her mom. Okay. Check. We know that. So why do you keep showing us? I don't know. Going out on a limb here. I'm not taking it to the bank, but just, just keep an eye on her fucking something up big time. So, yeah, it's it's interesting that, that we got the Vel Mon tie-in finally. Yeah. We, we now know, but it's like, okay, well, well, why did Luthen go to Vel then? Like, what what is this? Why is what Vel is, so special? Like, we know why Cassian is because of hindsight. Why why was Vel so special that Luthen recruits her? That That's kind of where I'm, my head's going now. Yeah, it's like maybe, I mean, maybe she was just so, like... When you're first getting people, you try to get people who are dedicated to the cause. Just hands down, there is no question, there is no, you know, hesitation about how they, you know, how they feel or decision-making process. They're just like, I fuck this. She's at every protest. She's she's doing everything she can. And when you see people like that, you're just like, this is somebody that that I can use in my cause. So maybe it was just yeah, as and simple it, as that. He probably recognized, I mean, obviously if she's a rich girl, she had assets. Okay. Yeah, so money. maybe he's like, oh, we could, we could loop into that. Or, or maybe it was as deep as if I can get the Vel, I can get the Mon. One of those deals. Like if, like if I take down this person, I can convince the even more powerful person, which in the end, Mon definitely has way more galactic reach than Vel does. So um, each one is serving a role in what I still have to say is Luthen's rebellion. I mean, until proven otherwise, he is the new grandfather of the rebellion. He is oh, the yeah. guy. Oh yeah. He he's definitely the the figurehead and the tip of the spear for the rebellion oh, right yeah. now. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. And like I he, miss seeing him. I, I I thought that was a bold choice to completely happen. cut him and Clay out for a whole episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, agree with that for sure. Which means, I don't know, maybe maybe he'll get a, a star turn in, in the next one. But we only got three to go. So we're going to have the culmination of this three-episode arc tomorrow or Wednesday the 9th, depending on when you're listening. And then we move right into our two-episode finale, and that's it. Bingo, bango, few more months to wait, bad batch, and then we're on The Mandalorian. Here we go. All Ooh. right. So keep your eye on Lita. And hopefully, I don't know, do, do you think we follow Vel to Chandrilla or is, does she just show up in an important spot like she has been over the past few episodes? Like she just shows up where she needs to be. I would hope that we follow her to Chandrilla if only so we can see Chandrilla for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that planet's ever been featured been in, shown. Uh, yeah. in live action. So, all right. Okay, and then the uh, the final top moment. And and clearly, the, I think this would be everyone's, at least on their list, was was the uh, closing scene 
where um, the old guy, after suffering a stroke on the floor, finally succumbs. They bring in the, the, the medical doctor, and, and Kino finally allows himself to ask the right questions and get the right answers. Uh, I, I just, I, I love the whole scene. Again, Andy's acting was fucking brilliant. Uh, Cassian just kind of sitting there, like, taking it all in and almost letting it play out like it, we kind of need this to happen type of stuff. Yeah. And then just the... The the casualness of the doctor prisoner that that's the best part. I mean, the, even the doctor's a fucking prisoner, and and at this point in his stay, he's just like, "Fuck it, this guy is better off dying, yeah, than staying alive. Like he's better off getting euthanized. Like they they, they put dude down, like we'd go take our dog or our cat to. There's like, hey, fuck it, he's too far gone, kill him. But he finally tips, you know, tips his cap to Kino and says, "Listen." They fucked up. They let someone go on two and he came back in on four. They found out and they had to nuke the whole floor. And and now that they know that the word's gotten out, that, that's pretty much the warning. Like every every single one of you are on watch now. And if you do one thing wrong, we're fucking frying your entire yeah, unit. We're going to kill all of you. We'll kill an entire floor of people. Like Yeah, it's we, just because. And that's why care. Cassian and, and everyone's like, yo, shh. Let, let's just pretend we don't know the less they think we know the better, because if they know that we know we're done. Um, but I, I really, the killer and, and it was the quote of the week is you, you could see it through Andy's performance. Once he learns the truth, like, Hey, I'm not getting out in 411 day or 271 days or shifts. Yeah. And, and, and Cassian, I think Cassian too realized it. And he returned to a conversation that he was not successful in earlier in the episode. And all he says, how many guards on the floor at one time? And without even thinking no more than 12, Kino is committed. Let's fucking go. Yeah. All right. So that, I, I thought that end fucking kicked ass. I loved yeah, it. No more end, than 12. The end did a great job of actually setting up like, okay, Episode nine, this is where shit's going to get real because now everybody's in on it. If you weren't in on it before, you're in on it now. And, you know, we're probably going to see a pretty big floor wide uprising from. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like this ain't just going to be Cassian and Melshi and and Kino. I mean, now that you have Kino on your side, he's going to get Ziska in. Who's the other shift manager on, on five, two probably the end right unit five two n floor five room two shift night you think i watch this stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh hey real quick i want to touch on a good point that uh connor press pause photography's brought up in the live stream here um just made this connection in force unleashed galen aka star killer is kind of the grandfather of the rebellion who has star killer's armor in the show luthan it's a nice little Nice little Easter egg there. I don't, I don't, he's not saying that Luthen is Starkiller, but it's kind of like that, a tip of the hat from the prop department. Like, hey, you remember in Legends that, that Starkiller kind of started the rebellion? Well, hey, Luthen's got his armor. So yeah. we know, we know you're looking. So I, yeah. I, I kind of like a, that. That I is like a that nice thought. connection. I do like that because I hadn't even thought of it at the time. But, but even the, regardless that it was press pause photographies, it was on our show. So make sure to send any medals or trophies to myself or Nick. <laughs> it's go. our content, right? 
We're going to start charging you all $8 a month. $8 a month. We got to get revenues up. Ads are down. Come on. We'll give you check marks. They can be red, green, blue, rainbow. It doesn't matter. We're here. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... Like I said, it wasn't a bad episode at all. I just didn't find a a, a lot of standout moments. Four is, is typically low for me. Uh, I didn't include the creepy serial stuff. Uh, I wasn't as like turned off as Nick because I, I still think he's just he, he's he's like so singular focused on Cassian and redemption that he is being a creep and trying to kind of reach his goal. But Nick, I do think they're they're still kind of setting him up to come in and just Elmer Fudd the whole fucking thing. You, you know, just just completely screw it up. Screw it up for uh, Miro, screw it up for the Empire. I, I still think he's going to make a huge folly during the finale that just allows the Rebels to get another win thanks to him. I just, I don't know, I, I have that feeling. Because uh, he wants something so bad, and usually when characters want something so bad... They don't get it. They get themselves in deeper shit than they were before they tried to go for their ultimate goal. Yeah, no, I agree with you there for sure. I do think that he is going to somehow fuck up things royally oh, yeah, for dude, the it's Empire. Like, it's um, like he, he's going to be the one yeah. that like lets Cassian and Bix and, and people escape or something. Somehow, I just have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right about that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets there now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see, but yeah, I think that, that he is going to be the ultimate kind of downfall to whatever Miro's plan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like kingdom saying, I hope we have a serial payoff. I, 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 there's no doubt you're going to get the payoff and I think it's going to be a spectacular fail. He might get, he might get one little victory and and that could be, you know, maybe he's responsible for the death of Marva because I, I I don't think Marva's long for this world that, that. I know we made the jokes early on where, you know, Cassian is going to be like that character from The Princess Bride where he's always like, hey, I'm Cassian. You killed X, Y, and Z. I'm here for revenge. I, I don't think it's it's clearly not going to get that bad, but but Marva's toast. Like, that that's that, that's a done deal. I mean, yeah. uh, what Miro even said, like, listen, we're we're just kind of letting her do her thing. We know she's our she's kind of our bait. For if Cassie never decides to come back, it, it is still funny that these assholes don't know that they've had him locked up for a few months. The, yeah, that, I know. At this point, for quite a while. Oh, it's it, months at this point. It's months. I yeah. mean, we, we saw he was in there for 30 days in episode in the eight. First, so, yeah, in the first show. Up, so. um, and we couldn't see like that. For some reason, he switched cells. I don't know if anyone noticed that, but he actually switched cells from episode eight to nine yeah because he wasn't right by kino before he was in he was in the cell kino was in in episode nine and and someone else was in the one that cassian is in but but either my, my point there is we could no longer see cassian's countdown clock so uh, we don't know a true amount of time but I, but i'd imagine he's been in the prison for at least two months close to two months yeah yeah uh, if not uh, more because man like he has really like you said, he's really fallen in as like the leader of this table. Oh yeah. 100%. And he's like, you know, he's figured out this whole, like he's somehow figured out, like if I saw away at this thing in this wall by the toilet, then something is going to happen. That's going to allow us to escape easier. So I would, I would even say like maybe like fucking four to six months, maybe, you know, it's, it's hard well, to tell. We, we can't, 
the show, the season only covers a year, and I think we'd be getting close to that if he was in there for six months. But yeah, it it, it is multiple months. Yeah. But also, I mean, really, the first few episodes, I think, technically only took place over like a week's timeline, if yeah, you really that, think about it. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It, it was like the, the Morlana 1 stuff was a day or two. And then even and then the Aldani to, stuff, he was Aldani there for Aldani was like three days. Yeah, like yeah. three or four days. And then he's back to Ferrix for a day. And then he he's on Neomos and locked up. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you could be right then. Because, you know, maybe maybe episodes one through seven only covered at best a month. Uh, yeah, like a month or so. If that. So, yeah, you, he, he, I'd say I'd say three plus for sure. All right. So, yeah, I mean, episode 10 clearly will be exciting and, and we'll drop our speculation on that after we talk about this episode's Easter eggs, which I don't think there were any references. There was one cool one. Uh, not really. And then the the, the neatest part was its um, homage, as I like to say, to A New Hope. Um, so first up is Nick I don't know if you would have noticed this this is only like for crazy people like myself <laughs> but um the scene it's like I think it's like right after they they put the headset on Bix yeah and, and you know Adria gives that that great performance and then the, you know they show the the Imperial walking out and as they walk out the camera work is identical to the scene in A New Hope where Darth Vader is torturing his daughter. Where it, it the door slams shut, the camera starts at the floor and follows a black boot walking up until it it shoots the whole hallway. I mean, it's like, it's dead nuts, dead nuts on not to be a, a tip a of the reference. hat from, from the cinematographer to that scene in A New Hope. So Very interesting. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, it, I mean, it, I didn't notice something like that for sure, but that's a damn good catch <laughs> yeah i mean dude there, there weren't many i mean i wrote down a lot of shit and half the planets they're rattling off never existed and it's just like hey all right i gotta i gotta do something so i ran with that <laughs> um the other very brief reference from this episode it, this this episode felt like tony wrote it and directed it because there was no fucking around with star wars lore at all yeah um, but when we were in one of the ISB briefing rooms uh, after they uh, grabbed the pilot, which was an, an interesting deal, like this, this pilot was supposed to be on that mission that Luthen was setting up in the previous episode. So if you pay attention, there are through lines for every episode and every conversation has meaning. That's why Andor is good. There, there is no throwaway anything. There's no throwaway scene, no throwaway dialogue. Because that X-Wing pilot they're talking about was from Krieger's division. Yep. That's how the Empire learned about the mission Luthen was trying to recruit Saul for. So that's all very interesting. But if you notice their plan, they're like, oh, yeah, let's just kind of dump them out there fucked up by Kafreen. And if you did some searching or remember a little movie called Rogue One, guess what Kafreen is? That's that ring world planet that we first meet Cassian where he shoots the informant. That is Kefreen. Gotcha. So that, that's a nice little tie into Rogue One and rebel activity taking place on there or suspected rebel activity. So that was a nice little drop by our boy Zhang, who uh, we're, we're still kind of thinking may, 
maybe a double agent or maybe considering double crossing the empire because we, we did see a scene from a trailer a few weeks back where he is not in his whites and he looks a little frantic as if he is you know uh scurrying away from something or towards something that he shouldn't be messing with okay yeah that, that's a quick one here yeah that, be, not a lot it, of it, easter eggs in here i will say that like we've spent over the last two episodes, we've spent so much time in like pretty sterilized environments that you didn't, you don't really have a lot of opportunity to like slip Easter eggs in the background like you can in Luthen shop or something like that. We've either been like in the ISB chambers or we've yeah. been like in the prison. And then, you know, the, the little time that we've spent on Ferrix during the investigations. But yeah. Hey, I'm not complaining. It, it makes my life a little bit easier on Wednesdays, but I, I still find that I take five to six hours to process an Andor episode, which is obscene. <laughs> but I do it. I bitch about it, but clearly I like it because I, I get up without an alarm. I mean, it's not even something I have to force myself to do. Tomorrow, naturally, I will start wrestling or rustling in my sleep around 4, 4.30, and then come five, I'll just sit there and go, all right, dude, you might as well just fucking get out and get started with it. It's time for another slog. Three more to go. And then I get a break. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to just see how the show ends, but I'm more excited to uh, get a few hours of sleep back on my Wednesdays yeah, and, and right? not have half a shift of content creation work in before I begin my actual real life shift of work, which usually takes me from like 11 to six. So. We'll get there. We will get there. All right, dude. So um, that that's nine for you. We're moving into 10, which is clearly going to be a prison escape. So how do you think 10 plays out tomorrow? I mean, 10 has to be the prison break. And I think that that's going to play like that's going to be most, if not all of the episode, because it seems like unless they just start the prison break without really explaining to us like how they did it or what like you know what preparation that they had to do to like make whatever is going to happen go off then we're probably going to spend a lot of time on the prison break um i man i don't imagine that we touch back in or or like touch back on cyril again i do think that once the prison break goes off and they get it and then the the ISB is made aware of it, if this happens in the same episode, then they will realize we had Cassian and lost him because they're going to have pictures of everybody that's on that floor. And they'll be able to say, like, the entirety of this floor just fucking tried to have a prison escape and these are the people who got away. So then the ISB and Mira will be like, we had the fucking guy and we just let him go. Um, so I do think that we're going to be pretty heavily focused on that. And, um, yeah. yeah, their, their ID system is fucking terrible. I mean, Cassian Andor is in the fucking registry after yeah. he got arrested as a kid. They don't have like facial, like we have facial match recognition system now. Like they right, don't have but, a facial But they match. show it like they at least had it. After the fall of the Empire, because we saw it in the Mandalorian, which is like, what the fuck? Remember, Din Din had to scan yeah. his face to get access to stuff. Yeah, so um, like, I don't but, understand but, why they're not scanning the faces of these prisoners and then running it through like wanted. Like, I mean, they're, they're dude, wanted. if you remember his sentencing scene, 
they're literally using and, and some of you young people probably won't even know what I'm about to talk about. But when you used to use a credit card at a store, there were no fucking machines. They had to, they like, had to take this. It. Yeah, this imprint device that would like rub the card numbers and shit onto carbon paper for them to fucking use. And that that's how they were checking prisoners in and out during on Neomos during his sentencing. His name was, you know, Keith Gergo, long lost father of grief cardboard. And they're just like, <laughs> all right, zip, sure. zip. And they're just like, OK, fucking stamp six years. See you later. You're off to Narkeena five. Yeah. The, the, but I think. I know us as fans were all like, that's fucking stupid, but just like Cassian was trying to explain the Kino, like, listen, dude, they don't fucking care. Like, the Empire doesn't care about that shit. We're, we're just, we are assets to them. We, we are no better than droids. In fact, we're better than droids because we are easier to replace. I mean, this is stuff Cassian is saying, so... It, it's. I think it really is just the Empire at this point is so fat, greedy, and... and blind to anything that's not right in front of its face it, it just you know it's that overconfidence no one it, 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 listen the themes have been explained to us throughout this season Cassian said it when he talked to Luthen for the first time these people they don't they, they would never expect some shithead like me to get one over on them and that is just yeah. galaxy wide all the way from the emperor down well, that's the same. I mean, that's essentially what Cassian was saying. He's like, do you think they give a fuck about us in here? Like, they're not listening because they don't care. Like, they're not listening because we're going to die in here. So, like, we can talk as much as we want and they're not going to hear anything because they don't need to listen to us. Like, they right. don't need the It's not worth their time. It's, it's yeah, literally exactly. not worth the time and effort. Yeah, I mean, because we ain't going anywhere. We're, we're we're in a fucking an underwater prison with electrified floors. floors like, really, yeah. what what could we do? Yeah, I mean, like the voice no of God way. at any moment could just go. Blah, 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 blah. See you later. We just clear out the whole damn prison. Yeah, I mean, it's it was one of those like that was a very cool scene too. Like him trying to convince Kino that like, dude, it doesn't matter what you say. Nobody is listening to you as to us. Nobody cares. Yeah. And the only thing that you're like, you have this false hope that in 41 days you're going to get out, but take a look around you, bud. Nobody gets out unless it's in a fucking body bag. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was, I was surprised. He just didn't stand up and start doing a dance. Like my name's Cassian Andor. Yeah. Hey empire. I'm Cassian. I stole your money. Blah, blah, blue, blue. See, they I'm don't here. care. <laughs> yeah, they have no, <laughs> they don't give a shit. So. Hey, we got a new true green beard here in a live stream. A good point. We are so we are so not just talking about Star Wars right now. I love Andor, but like all good science fiction, it's actually about what's happening in the real world right now. And yes, uh, if you were here earlier, I, I kind of made some of those connections. One hundred percent, Tony Gilroy, just as George Lucas did. Like a lot of people forget, George Lucas wrote Star Wars as his reaction to fascism growing up as a, a young boy during world war two and all that fun stuff. He ain't a fan of it. Remember the rebels, those would be your, I know this is a, a dirty word, but they'd be your, 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 your Democrats, your socialists, those types of thinkers. All right. I said it. It's the truth. Get over it. You don't understand star Wars if you don't get that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay, so here's here's my predictions for episode ten. The, the the prison break, come on. 
anyone could predict that. All right. Yeah. So we're, we're not looking for any glory on that. I, I will give my take on who I think actually makes it out. I, I think it's uh, Cassian and Melshi. I think everyone else dies <laughs> but them. <laughs> uh, it just... It just makes sense, and, and and if anyone else lives, they're going their own way, like like Pembok or, or Taga or some of these other table mates. They're they're not getting involved, but the way this breakout is going to go down, I think that is just going to solidify the bond between Melshi and Cassian, and kind of link them at the hip moving forward. Um, now, how do they actually get rescued? I almost think, in a surprise twist. Either Vel or Luthen will be the ones to come in and really take these people off world because they can do whatever they want and get out of the prison, but where the fuck they're going? They're in the yeah. middle of a body of water. All right. So I, I, I could see them getting out, but I can't see them securing boats or transports to, to fly themselves out. It didn't even look like they had transports there. They, they didn't even have a dock. Like the, the, the transport just comes in and they're like, okay, jump into that fucking hole. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Luthen, who you would think would be able to finally figure out like, oh, hey, we've heard this from our sources. There's this dude on Narkina 5 that has to be Cassian. Let's go take him out. But then when he realizes like, oh, shit, he just escaped and he's changing. I can see it. Maybe that's when Luthen decides he can spare Cassian, actually leverage him as the asset that he initially thought he could be. Um, I, so I, I think we, we, we have to get Luthen back in episode 10. You, you can't leave him gone for two episodes straight. So, But that's kind of my angle. I, I think Luthen, along with the Empire, may finally realize that the man they're looking for is right there on Narkina 5, but Luthen will actually be there to help rather than kill. Uh, yeah. I would love, that would be, like you said, Nick, go, I'm sorry, guys. Well, I was going to say is like, it would be interesting to see like how he knows about it because it seems like it's very hard to get, they would have to have like an inside guy in the prison to like communicate to Luthen that like, Hey, we're, this is going down. We need assistance for extraction. Um, Cause that's the only thing is like, I don't know how they would, how he would know about it, but uh, that's probably something that they'll cover in, in the episode. Is yeah, I, I just like how how are they how are they going to get off planet? Because yeah, that's the big. There, question. there were no hangers unless we we missed something because yeah. those things just kind of fly up. They don't really even dock. It was it was almost hovering there. They all got off and see you later. Um, yeah, all right, maybe, maybe like should have called the the, the rebels freedom fighters. Apparently, true Greenbeard does not think that they are would be liberals or socialists. They're freedom fighters. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> Dr. Awesome, is this going to be like Alcatraz, do you reckon? Huh. Sure. That's a good, like, it, that's what I was going to say is like, I wonder if there's like boats that are docked over there, like some, like some sort of like vessel that they could hijack just to like make their way, make their own way off of like out of the middle of the ocean or middle of the whatever bottle of body of water they're in, like off to shore. And then, try to like, you know, get pick up from shore. Um, that is the big yeah, question that was like, how are they actually going to get away? Yeah. So I, that's, I don't know. Luthen, Vel, the people looking for Cassie and they all make sense to me. Cause just like the empire, they're looking for him and Luthen clearly has resources that he could find him probably faster than the empire. 
And Nick, I'm I'm still trying to connect the dots to a trailer scene that we have not seen yet, and it's Luthen's Fondor craft literally taking on which could looks kind of like an ISB spy star destroyer. It's got all these comms dishes on it. And you know, it's like maybe that happens because he comes to rescue Cassie, and I don't know, but I, I'm I'm trying to figure that out because he's not gonna attack a a a star cruiser for fun. Yeah. <laughs> unless he unless he gets outed and really the only way he can get out at this point is if the empire gets Cassian. Uh because Bix is still alive but they need her to identify Luthen. They don't know what he looks like. Yeah. So they wouldn't just start attacking him. So there there's a reason that his Luthen's craft is going to be fighting a star cruiser and it's probably because he he I think he may just find be like hey fuck it I'm going in. Yeah, maybe so. That, I mean, that's after, my guess. Yeah, after not hearing from him in the last episode or in this most recent episode, it wouldn't be surprising if he's like, he's probably starting to freak out now, especially because like they still haven't found Cassian. Yeah, and, so. and he knows that's 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 dangerous. That is that is a lead right to him. Okay, yeah. so uh, I don't I don't know. Like they, I can't quite wrap my head around how they're going to resolve that speed bump in their relationship <laughs> Luthen wants him dead but we know who Cassim becomes and Luthen clearly thought he was that guy so so does Luthen have a change of heart because of something is it because Cassian does break free and leads a prison revolt and he realizes like oh shit this guy really is who I thought he was and he he's finally coming around to the notion that you can't just run and hide anymore you you have to fucking choose a side and fight I'm gonna keep him let's do it I'm gonna go get him and that's how he gets found out but I I don't know I'm 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 having trouble kind of piecing that shit together how they're gonna resolve we want one of our best rebel assets dead before he can do the Any, major thing that he does. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Like anything uh, that makes him the best rebel asset that we have. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, true green beard. If you're in prison or work, we're still glad you're here with us. Tell a friend, like sub to the channel. All right. Oh, um, I, I think we, uh, we get another check-in on, on Ferrix too. Uh, maybe even from a uh, little Marv action. Uh, I, I don't think Miro ends up on Ferrix quite yet. I'm thinking that's going to be the two-part finale, but maybe they get closer to that because their their big deal now is the ruse on Carfine, right? That's the ISB's big plan is to essentially plant the X-Wing and the pilot. The dead pilot. Push it towards, yeah, to, let right, them to tow it in, and then... And then kind of follow things follow. from there, so... I'm sure we'll get follow up on that. Uh, th- these episodes are kind of they're easy to predict, like the the very obvious stuff, but the the, the some of the threads, detail. yeah, like the Luthen thread in particular, the Vel thread. All right, I mean she is tasked with finding Cassian, so you would think if he gets himself out or they find where he is, she would be involved. I don't know. I just I feel like Vel and Luthen are going to have a hand in getting that dude off of Narkeena 5, even though they want to kill him. And that will be the fun part. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think that is it for Andor Episode 9. Nobody's listening, Kino. I added that at the end because <laughs> I'm a genius. Uh, so now it's time to get into Andor Season 2. Andor Season 2? 
That's right, dude. Uh, <laughs> Tony was sitting there spitting his game this week. And uh, I don't know, revealing more than he should or revealing just enough. But we do have some, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I kind of like these details. I know, you know, some sites cover when a show starts shooting and shit like that. I don't, I don't understand that. But we, we did get some decent details here, at least to let us know if Andor Season 2 is going to continue with the same quality and, and look and feel. So... Among the reveals, we got the season directors, and there's going to be three of them. So uh, I believe one of the three is going to direct six, and then the other two will direct three apiece. Interesting. Um, so our directors, and I believe these are all new, meaning they didn't work on Andor season it, one. Season one, yeah. I think you uh, are correct. At least is, thus um, far, we haven't seen any of these right. directors. We got Aria, Ariel Kleiman. Of Yellow Jackets in the resort fame. Janice Metz, All the Old Knives. I have not seen that either. <laughs> and Alonzo Ruiz Palicios, Narcos Mexico and Outer Range. I watched the first two seasons of Narcos, but I did not watch Narcos Mexico or the Outer Range. So I am unfamiliar with all of the works. Well, of um, Diego, <laughs> Diego was in Narcos early on, right? Diego no, Luna. that was Pedro Pascal. I thought I thought Diego was in it too, though. He may have been, check, but that may have that been out like on your Google. Check, check that out on your Google machine, because because that that would be a connection there. Like Alonzo and Diego have worked together before, but either Not way, those are those are your directors. So, like I said, each one will be given blocks of episodes to direct, just like we got in this first season. Yeah, and um, each three episode block, as we learned uh, months ago is going to cover a year's time in season two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was Diego not in was Narcos. In yeah. He's in Diego was in Narcos, Mexico. Oh, in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't in the proper Narcos then. All right. Yeah. Cause so that was, that was Pedro Pascal. We, we got there at some, somehow we made it. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they have worked together, which, you know, usually yields even better performances, working yeah. relationships on set atmosphere, all that important shit. Um, so, uh, just prepared for the time jumps to be a little more in your face in season two, unlike this season, which just covers a year's time, but that's why you turn into the star Wars time show. Cause you have geniuses like Matt and Nick to break out the timeline. And I think at the end of this, we're like, yeah, we're about, yeah, we're about, you know, like eight, eight months <laughs> in to Andor season one. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the other news we got, we got the writing team. And, uh, of course there's some nepotism cause you have to, that's what Lords and ladies do. <laughs> so, um, Dan Gilroy's coming back, but we can't hate him cause I mean, he, he wrote the Aldani arc, which I think at this point would probably be, probably be the best of the season. Yeah, so far. I, I agree. I, I think, I think most people would, would, would agree with us. And he's also bringing back Bo Willimon, who is doing the arc we're currently watching the, the, the prison stuff. So um, Bo has been in charge of the Narkeena five arc and, uh, there will be a new member to the writing team for season two. And that's going to be Tom Bissell, who Nick, you may be familiar with. He wrote a ton of video games back in the day. I, I'm very familiar with his work in vacuum cleaners. Um, yes, <laughs> he is also of the Bissell dynasty. So yeah. he's a rich motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, lots of video games, like big ones. I, I think one that stands out, uh, Gears of War 5 most recently. So, you know, he's done that. But in terms of TV, if in case you're wondering, he 
has been a writer on the Mosquito Coast on Apple TV. Seems like he also did. He he wrote the Disaster Artist. Yeah, he was the original. The, so or, the disaster the artist they did with the Franco. With, yeah, with like the Francos. Um, that guy's so yeah, he, that guy's career's dead, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, Franco. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like he was a writer on Uncharted Four. Yeah, there uh, you go. Uncharted: The Legacy of Thieves collection. So yeah, uh, you know, and then like you said for for Gears Five. So yeah, he's he's been around. Hey, how about that? They finally announced they're they're, they're finally going to make a Gears of War movie. Netflix yeah, and, got in. And a show. It's going to be a live action movie, from what I can tell, and a an animated Adult cartoon. Show. Yeah, yeah, an animated. I'm show. glad because I I mean I think Gears War One is like 16 years old at this point in time, maybe 17. I think it's 16. And, I think it just hit its 16 year anniversary. 16, 16. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I'll never forget it. That to me is one of the greatest games I've ever played. Uh, just it, it was kind of new. The whole pop and cover shit. The gore. I've always been a fan of Cliffy B. Uh, yeah. I loved Unreal. I, 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 I just, I like what the guy does. But I really love Gears of War. It, it brought me. That was the most online gaming I've ever done in my life. It was almost like for a year straight. Yeah. Every fucking saying. day, dude. I would get on there with with stunt buddy, with with some cousins. But I, I met a ton of people over in the UK that we, we became good friends. In fact, I went over to the UK and hung out with them. Like that's how. That's how much time we spent together <laughs> online playing Gears of War. So I was I was pumped to see that they finally did it. I mean, they've been trying to get a fucking movie going since Gears came out. And uh, everyone has been fan casting Batista as Marcus. I've seen and that. I, yeah. I, I still think that's a good call. I think he's a great Marcus. He's a uh, great actor, too. Like, yeah. he is such I, a I good I love Batista, actor. man. I, and, and really, I wasn't high on Cena, until um peacemaker but after that series cena is is up there too that that dude is funny as fuck like he knows how to deliver comedy um but yeah i mean gears of war one getting that uh the seriously achievement where you had to get ten thousand ranked kills in multiplayer just some of the best gaming of my life and the song i'll never forget the the marketing song uh, the yeah, one the, from Donnie Darko, the Mad, you know? Mad World. Yeah, yeah, Mad World. I mean, just fucking beautiful shit. Mm-hmm. Great song. All right. Great song. Yeah, props. This was back in the day before I had kids. He's he's all like, "Oh, Matt will fly to the UK for friends, but he won't come to LA." Yeah, that was it, it was a different <laughs> a world, man. That, that was 2013. Uh, I I really went over there to watch the Steelers play, uh, but luckily I I convinced some of these people to come from their villages down to London town which they all hate because it's too expensive. But to us Americans, it's like, Hey, it's like any other overpriced city here. So fine. I'll, I'll pay for the upgrades. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know, dude. It's just, it's, it's little kids being a dad, being a full professor now and having to like show the junior faculty that I'm not some fuck up. It's, it's uh, life I'll, I'll changes. Yeah. yeah I, I need a, like I need yeah. a reason to get out to LA and these days it wouldn't even be to go to like the, the head shops because I finally got my medical last week, which is just fantastic. Like, come nice. on, let, let's, let's go United States. Like, what are we doing here? Um, I'll get there. One of these days I'll get there. I, I, I got friends I haven't seen for years out on, on the West that, that I want to check in with. So Invite me, make me, make me a VIP. <laughs> I, I see, you should see, I mean, props and scoundrel, you should see what they got into this weekend. 
at the Rhode Island Comic Con. I mean, Justin is like the wrangler of of all these secondary Mandoverse Star Wars characters now. It's amazing. I mean, he he took Young Cassa is with him. Uh, the Armorer, I think, was there. Tate Flesher, who plays, he wears the armor of, of, of Heavy Mandalorian. I mean, come on. And, and Super Scoundrels is there. Devin's there, like, taking pictures and filming videos. It's like they're living <laughs> the Star Wars life. Yeah. Sign the, me up. That's Get me in the stuff. company. Make me a brand ambassador. I'll, I'll go to these cons <laughs> with you and, and, and handle these celebrities. Let's go. I got free time on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Here we go. Uh, it's good chat today. So hey, if you want to join, don't forget youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show Tuesdays, usually around 2.30 p. East. Have some fun. If you are on the live stream right now, don't forget to like what you're watching. Leave a comment, share, sub. We love you. All right. So um, moving on. So we got we got directors. We got the writing team. And finally, and I don't think this should be a surprise to many, but it's, it's I guess, a welcome one, at least to get confirmation. But um, we will definitely be going to Yavin 4 and Andor Season 2, which, again, Indeed. just it, it makes sense, especially because Tony has promised that Andor Season 2 is literally going to end where Rogue One begins. Yeah, like which right we- up to it, so... Yeah, we're gonna I mean, I, the, the final shot to me, Nick, is Cassian going like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm going to go get that intel. And he flies to Carfeen and then that's it. Like, there we yeah, go. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if this like Kafreen thing that they're doing now is going to lead directly into where we get into Rogue One. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, but he also yeah, going to Yavin. So that makes sense. But we also know that they have to get to Kafreen again. By the end yeah, of that series. Yeah, that, that, so. that's what I mean. So I, I really could yeah. see, obviously, some big stuff probably happens. Maybe the death of Luth and Bix, Vel. I, mean, I was trying to explain to, like, non-nerds that a lot of these characters have to disappear. Have to die. Yeah. Like, like they Luthen have to. has to die. Has to. I mean, has to. Vel has to. You, you can't have founding members or members of the Circle, a.k.a. the 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 genesis of the Rebel Alliance, just retire and go off screen once we hit, uh, you know, Rogue One, A New Hope, and so on and so forth. Like, they they need to be addressed. Yeah. And, and that usually means death. Yeah, that usually um, means they, they yeah, Vel, have their head cut. I, I don't think Vel just walks away and has a happy ending with Cinta. Luthen doesn't walk away and keep running an antiquity shop on Coruscant. They're they're going to pay the price that they've been talking about. Like, they 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 picked their side... And they're going to pay dearly for it, but it's all going to be in honor of the Rebel Alliance and propping them up and showing everyone what they need to do to take down that goddamn Death Star. Yeah. All right. So there's all the Andor talk. Let's get into some The Acolyte. And for the first time since we've been talking about this show, Nick, we can actually talk about official confirmed shit right we're, we're very highbrow over here we don't call <laughs> we it the, news or updates we call it shit okay and, and like the official casting list here i mean it hits on a lot of the rumors oh, it, that we had it, already dude, heard. It every it confirmed every single one it's the new ones that are, are the neat yeah. part the the yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say but one of the new castings is like the biggest one honestly i think so so let, let's so. um let, let 
I, I'm with you. Let's go ahead and spin our wheels. But real quick, so here is the cast now. And we know, based on the Kenobi sheet that, that was just like this, the grid, that there's going to be even more people in the cast. But this is the main cast of the Acolyte, now confirmed. Many of these you've heard as rumored on this dumb little show. So Amanda, we already knew. Lee Jong-Jay, confirmed. Squid Game yep. guy. Manny Jacinto, confirmed. The Good Place guy. Yep. Daphne Keene. This was one that I actually did the rumor post a day before all this became official, uh, but now she's in it. Daphne Keene, X-23 from Logan, yep. and um, that series on HBO that I still have not watched the second season. Jody Turner-Smith, we talked months we talked ago about. about yep. Queen and Slim. Here's a new one. Rebecca Henderson. She is from something. No fucking clue. <laughs> place it. Because I her, she has such a recognizable oh, and it's gonna kill me. She looks I think she's I, from I, this I, I think she's from this show called Single Drunk Female or something like okay. that. At least that's what I think I know her from. Okay, so she was in Ah, okay. She was in Inventing Anna, that show on uh Netflix about like the the fake Russian heiress. Um Taylor and I watched that. She was in Single Drunk Female, so I was right about that. She's actually been in quite a few things. She was in some of Westworld, it seems. Um, she was also in Russian Doll. Um, so Russian Doll okay. makes sense with Leslie. Oh, yeah, so I know who she Leslie is. She was, she was one of the um, lesbians that kept getting in the loop, like one of the friends of the apartment where her birthday took place in season one. Gotcha. Okay. That's who it is. So yeah, she's, uh, she's been in quite a few things and, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of her from what I, uh, have seen her in. So, all right. So, so she's one point. of the first new ones. Charlie Barnett. We heard about we from heard Russian about, dolls. Yeah. Here's another new one. Dean Charles Chapman. Don't know who that is. He was actually oh, in something his, big, I think. Yeah. Don't, uh, let's like, see. Like recently. He was in 1917. Yeah. He, I, I, he might. Oh, yeah, I, he's the guy that gets shot on the farm because he's bitching or something. Oh, wait, this guy, he's the guy who played fucking Tommen in G Game of Thrones. Ah, the, okay, there you go. The, 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 the young kid king or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, the guy that jumps out, yeets himself out a window. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's all sad about something. He kills yeah, exactly. Himself. Yeah. yeah, he jumps out, yeah, he kills himself. So. And then the big one... And yes, the one I want to talk about who she could be, a.k.a. I think she, she is actually the titular character, and that's Carrie Ann Moss, Trinity. Yes. yes. From, Love it. From The Matrix. If you are familiar, hopefully you are familiar with The Matrix. But yes, Trinity is in the show. So you think now that she is the acolyte or that she well, is the master to the acolyte? Let me read the synopsis because the synopsis, I think, clarifies a lot at least cleans up my my brain and how I've been speculating on this. So um, here, here's the synopsis here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Mm. So, I think it's very interesting that it is written as former 
Padawan. So Nick, let, let's let's parse that out first. Does that mean that she quit or this person quit? Or they have graduated to a Jedi Knight and that's why they're being described as a former Padawan. I almost just like think just like Dooku would say, Qui-Gon Jinn was formerly my Padawan. Yeah. Now and he's I mean, a Jedi even, Master. Even like Obi-Wan had said something about Anakin being my former Padawan. Okay. After after he turned into a knight. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I mean, cause you could you could read it two different ways. A yeah. former Padawan, meaning Kind of like Ahsoka leaves the order, but then comes back when her, her master needs her. Yeah. Or she was this guy's Padawan. She's kind of been a knight out on her own. And I keep saying she because, or I guess I should say they, I think Amandla is this former Padawan. And yeah, I think so, the Jedi master is Lee Jung-jae. So yeah, I I, I was kind of uh, a, a leaning that way too. So Amandla, I do think, is the acolyte. And now, but now I'm stuck between is it Lee or is it Carrie Ann Moss who is the no, Jedi I, I Master? Think Amandla, I think Amandla is the Padawan or former Yeah, yeah, Padawan. No, no, I agree with you there. But And, and but I, I think, th- go, go ahead. What, I don't think that, yes, I think yeah. it's either Lee or Carrie Ann Moss who is the Master. It would not surprise me if Carrie was the Master. Uh, okay, and then, so we're, we're, we're completely flipsy then. Because I, I think Carrie Ann Moss is the acolyte and her okay. master is going to be like a, a big one, like a Plagueis or something. See, I, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that or I could see it to being where Amandla is both the Padawan, the former Padawan and then the eventual acolyte. We, I mean, dude, all along I was like, well, fuck if, if she's the star, she's the acolyte. So I'm, I'm with you, but just that little synopsis now has me, well, she she's the she's a Jedi working with the Jedi Master going against the acolyte and ultimately their master. But it, you know, it, it could all be there's a there's here. a lot of potential. Like you could actually mix this up quite a bit. You could like Daphne Keene could be the acolyte, and then Carrie Ann Moss could be the a main master of some sort. Yeah. yeah, the main dark side master, or you know, the the way that this cast is set up, I feel like anybody could be. Like a lot of these people could be the acolyte and a lot of these people could be the master. Like I could see Lee Jung Jae being the master. I could see Carrie Ann Moss being the master or the former Jedi master. I could even see Rebecca Henderson playing um, like a like a former Jedi master. And but, you know, I could also see Lee Jung Jae or Carrie Ann Moss being the like the central bad guy. And like luring Amandla in to be the acolyte or, I mean, there's a lot, I like this cast because there's so many, like it works so well with all of them being able to play these different parts. I'm really pining for Carrie Ann to be the bad guy. I think think it would just be different for her. I mean, she kind of plays a, a, a gray type of character in, in Netflix's Marvel series. You know, she was that, that lawyer, Jerry or whatever, where she wasn't really, good but she wasn't ultimately evil um so i i don't know i i just feel like carrie's gonna be the bad one and the other reason why nick if you look at the first released official image i mean you you got the showrunner the the director here leslie with amandla and lee together on a set it looks like they have script pages in their hand that's why i just instantly went okay the this is the jedi master and the former padawan yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely could be. It could, it could be that duo, 
And yeah, I mean, what's it will be interesting to see like how they treat the acolyte. Like, is the acolyte also the Padawan, like the former Padawan that like makes the switch over, or is it somebody else? Because that dude, that's how I. I mean, the day that even the title was announced, I was like, all right, we're we're probably gonna see someone become a dark side loyalist follower who probably was good. But yeah. now I'm like, well, we may we may get to see the resurgence of the dark side in the high Republic Jedi realizing it too late to where, you know, that this is the end of the high Republic. And I, I honestly think the bad guys are going to win in this series because you have to think that they still keep the resurgence of the dark side in the Sith under wraps all the way up through the Phantom Menace. Or it isn't, it isn't until Maul makes himself known that the Jedi are like, Oh yeah. shit. But the Sith are back. They- <laughs> Or did they lose, or does the dark side like get defeated, but not fully defeated, which is why in the Grand Republic, they're like, oh, well, yeah, nobody's seen Sith in forever. Last time we saw yeah. Sith, we wiped them all out. So like, where so would that, they? Yeah, that, I don't know. I, I would still love if Carrie Ann was then the acolyte of Plagueis, because you could yeah. establish Plagueis. Who's only been spoken about in canon now in Revenge of the Sith. Anything else, Plagueis has been has jettisoned. Been yeah. So it would be a great time to recanonize him. And if if you've been reading the tea leaves and you're not just a, a full on mouth breeder, apparently Leslie Headland is is like a a a huge EU nerd. Like I mean, she 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 read all that shit from the 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 eighties and nineties and early aughts. And I think Kathleen has been saying like, oh, she's just she can draw on this knowledge and she, she can weave this stuff back into canon. And hey, I, I mean, I, I would love it. any type of legends because I, I like that type of stuff. I mean, I wasn't a legends person, but I, I like when it gets recanonized because, again, the through line for me is everything. Uh, but I uh, I think Plagueis just makes a ton of sense to get in front of our faces, recanonized in a live action property to help make Sidious's plea and the story at the uh, opera hit a little harder for people that may not have read all those books that don't count anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to see too, like if, if they, if they go with the Plagueis angle, Who's going to play him? Because I don't think anybody. He's, go- he's this- like an, he's almost alien looking, isn't he? Like, he is. Yeah. He, he is alien, at least previously in Canada. Like he big was a fucking head. <laughs> very, yeah. Very long face. Very tall. I think he was almost like nine feet tall. Like he was a very tall, like large alien humanoid. So I wonder if they would have somebody who they haven't revealed yet playing him. If he is going to be in the show, which I do hope he is in the show. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't know. I mean, it, it was nice to finally get these official confirmations because it does allow for a little more thoughtful speculation and uh, given us this, the, the asset definitely could be to throw us off, but it does feel like if, if Amanda and Lee and Leslie have script pages, they're in a, they're clearly on a practical set. They just, they just scream former Padawan and Jedi master. And Carrie Ann Moss, I don't know, there's just something about her. I'm like, I, I want to see this lady play evil. Like, I, I think she would kill it as a, a dark side user or someone yeah. convincing people of the light to come to the dark. I really think she would, she would sell it even better than any of these 
male dark side users we've seen in the past trying to convince people to come and cross the line. It, it would be unique because we we really don't have powerful dark side females in moving Star Wars, like TV and movies, right? Doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I think that she would be, a, well, one, I think she would be a fantastic dark side Sith. I mean, the only... I mean, what is it? Ventress? Ventress is our only female dark side user that we've but, seen. Yeah, but even by the time she kind of, yeah, like she hits a, the obituary, she she more or less has a had a, right. Yeah, she's, she's a mercenary. Bounty hunter and, and a lover of Quinlan Voss if they yeah. stick to that that story. so Yeah, I mean, everything else was in was in books and I don't even think they're, that those books are canonized anymore. Um. I get, you know, bear, I guess Barris, but we never even confirmed like outside of like Barris's turn, we never even saw her go further in her dark side journey. She just no, she kind just, of like, she gets locked up. I yeah, mean, so. and, and I know, it, and this is, would be a while back, but a lot of people got the Barris chatter going because they saw her insignia and in the Grogu flashback at the temple. Yeah. And they're like, is she the one that saved? I was like, well, if, they might have still had a room there, but she she should have been locked up during Order 66. I mean, she yeah. was tried, convicted. Unless they just let her ass go, which wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> like, But even then, like, it, it, Anakin would have fucking killed her still. Like, it, it's not like, oh, you you kind of like the dark side. Fuck you. You're not going to compete with me. Come on. I mean, they're, they're dark side people. He would have stabbed her right through the fucking heart. Um, but yeah, Barris, you are. I mean, her story is unresolved, even though we're, yeah. we're many... We're, we're about 80 years apart from the Acolytes timeline to, to what we're talking about now. Yeah, but, so, I mean, it's... But yeah, but you are she, right. I mean, it is. Like, I, the cast looks very interesting. I, 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 I dig it. I, I like the, the, the names in there, the big names, the, the smaller names. It, it looks like a great ensemble. And obviously, this isn't going to be the full the Yeah, full it's not deal the full either. cast. Yeah, so. this is just like the... I would assume like these are the main players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, some of them are probably going to be related to a manless character. Uh, some may be other Jedis. You got to think. I mean, the, yeah. the, we're at the tail end of the High Republic, so this is when the Jedi are, are at their at peak. At the peak, yeah. And that that's a funny thing. And I, I read this from Leslie herself, so she she knows what the fuck she's talking about. But she's like, in Star Wars, and it, it's it's weird to think about because it's, it's the reverse of our own lives. But in Star Wars... Their culture and civilization gets more advanced the further back in time you go. Yeah. It's almost you know, like what you would see in like disaster or like post-apocalyptic movies like like Horizon. We were talking about Horizon before. Like Horizon is technically set in the future, but there was an apocalypse that made correct. them basically lose all technology. Yeah, so, yeah but, but in Star Wars, it's like the further it gets into its future the more wrecked the galaxy is, the less yeah. people have because of emperors yeah. and battles against first, Jedi and Sith. First and orders, it, it, all of this stuff. Exactly. It is. Yeah. So by the time we get to like the, the, the Mandoverse and then into the sequel trilogy, they, they were starting to rebound like culture wise, but then just went right back down into the toilet. So it is yeah. still kind of <laughs> chaotic and in the, you know, third world type of shit in star Wars. I mean, really, Indeed. Third World Star Wars kicks in with the Republic era. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what starts it. All right. So there you go. There's your Acolyte news. And I believe it starts shooting uh, November 21, so very soon. But I still think 
on Lucasfilm's schedule, it's not slated till 2024. So we got a good wait here, unfortunately. Yeah, we still have some time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I think that this is the first time that we'll ever like this is the first time for sure that we'll ever get like some dark side focus materials. That's just, Hell yeah, dude, you know, you know, more than just a few minutes here and there and in, in movies and stuff like that. And I really do hope that this is something that they start to do more like take periods of time that there is no exploration and start to use it because that is where they're going to find their stride. Like I, I think like Disney is going to find like, their stride and like really kind of hit their groove when they start to create, not just use what's already there. So, and, and uh, you're, you're not wrong. Cause I, from what I've gathered again, I'm, I'm a moron. I don't like books, words and shit as we used to say, but it does sound like the high Republic initiative is hitting with the fan base at this point. You know, I think it's in like its second or third phase. I think it's and in its third phase. Yeah. In, in, the, in the world building and the characters that they've created are, are really resonating with people. So, yeah, I mean, do some shows even deeper into the High Republic. Show some of the events that the books talked about. I mean, come on, you got you to gotta service us morons that don't like to read. Uh, but you are, you are correct. Uh, the further they stay away from Skywalker Saga territory, I think the safer... Uh, I don't want to say it's a safe choice, but the safer they are from the the, the goofy wing of the Star Wars fandom. Yes, the, the the trolls, the mouth breathers, cellar dwellers, whatever you want to call it. And, and don't get me wrong, the Acolyte is going to get beat the fuck up even before it even airs because a woman created it. Its cast is very diverse. Its lead is a black person. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 the, the show it sadly is going to be operating at a deficit with the, the, the morons of the world. And, but that's star Wars for you. It happened yeah. to Boyega. It happened again with Obi-Wan Kenobi and it for fuck's sake sure is going to happen with the acolyte. Mark my words. I'm surprised Cassian didn't get shit on because he's Mexican. Honestly, <laughs> like true. I mean that that's really where we're at with the Star Wars fan base or part of it and humans in general these days. All right, man, here we go. Not rounding home yet. We got one more Star Wars live action property to talk about and it's the one that kind of started things on the small screen, The Mandalorian. Indeed. All right. So we got some themes from the cast and crew. Apparently at D23, EW sat down with some of the stars of The Mandalorian, and they just now feel like releasing that content to the rest of us plebs that didn't get to <laughs> witness it at D23. So within this interview, Nick, they talked to Rick Famuia, who uh, is directing some yep. of season three. Uh, our girl Katie was interviewed and Jean Carlo. So they all dropped some and, insights and the armorer. She was in there too. Oh Emily yeah. Yeah. Swallow. Yeah. Emily swallow. That's right. Another client of big swing and Dick, <laughs> Justin Nunez <laughs> who watches a star Wars time show. I might add. That's what, you know, I need to just like buy a bunch of our, our shitty shirts from Teespring and send them to Justin for these cons. Let's say just give them out. Give, give them to the stars or like any homeless people you see. You know, you can use it as <laughs> yeah, a tent, a blanket, the name. something, something like so that. people start to see Yeah, it. I'm going to start shipping him cases of this stuff at, at the hotels he stays at. <laughs> 
All right, so here we go. Some themes for Mando Season 3. And I think a lot of us know the general ones, but it's always nice to get the insights. Uh, Rick goes really deep in the shit, and, and he's, he's kind of talking about how the Mandalorian kind of started small, wolf and cub. But in Season 3 now, because of the events that have preceded it, it it's going to expand. The, the, the Mando's universe is getting bigger and bigger as the seasons go by. So... Here's, he, he said, the exciting part about Mandalorian is that it started with this very simple and sort of elemental relationship when the Mando met this young child and how it's affected him. And I think all the decisions he's made since coming in contact with the child has sort of raised the stakes in terms of the storytelling of the show. And we've just been following that to sort of its natural place as he's experienced meeting people outside of his own creed and understanding what it means to be a Mandalorian. Rick's got way bigger lungs than me. so as we get to season three it's really a sort of culmination of that we started with our original mandalorian but as the teaser said he's not the only one and what does that mean so this season is really about kind of bringing all that together so yeah yeah we're we're bringing in the mandos this mando season three could very well explode fans' minds yeah, uh, with this Mandalorian stuff, right? Because it 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 should mostly be a season of Mandalorians figuring their shit out, in addition to Din going on his quest. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Is it, it is literally gonna be the first time that we've ever had in any Star Wars, um, where we get to see a large faction of Mandal. I mean, I yeah. guess you could argue well, that rebels, we got a but that's animated, so that's cheating. Exactly. Um, so some of it in rebels, but like get to see Mandalorians in mass starting to try to rebuild their culture, like start to try to rebuild their civilization in a way that allows them to further themselves into the future. So, um, I do think that it is going to be a pretty big watershed moment for the Mandalorian people as a whole especially if we get to the end of season three and they actually do have like their leadership structure played out. Um, I'll read Katie's. Yeah. So this is what Katie says. Katie says coming into this season, Bo has some clear ideas about who she believes to be a real Mandalorian. (laughs) Will the real Mando please stand up? Please stand up. Yeah. And I think that is really important place for her to start. Uh, aren't Mandalorians so fucking petty. All right. So they really are like, if you're not a real Mandalorian, I'm a real Mandalorian. It sounds like playground shit, man. Yeah. Like (laughs) for real, like the, the visions within the Mandalorian culture are so like, and then like, they're so like idealistically based and it's like, you know, it's like, well, I want to be more warlike and I want to be more like normal, not warlike is basically no, what the I want whole to follow schism the creed. The creed's around. the right way. Like I, I want to yeah. see her and the armor have a, a full yeah. on cat fight, like pulling oh, hair, nails, everything like, no, my way's better. No, my <laughs> oh, way's <God>. better. <laughs> yeah. So she, right, go ahead. she says she was raised one way. She thinks one very clear way, way and her knowledge of that is being challenged. One of the things about Bo that I love and we see a lot of this season is that she's always growing and she's always evolving. And I think that's a really beautiful lesson. So uh, even in the trailers, we've kind of seen like this very prickly set in her ways. Uh, could be Bo-Katan. trickery. 
could be yeah. could be editing trickery. Could be editing trickery. Could be early in the season. But if if this you know what Katie said actually comes to play that she grows and evolves, then we could see a very different Bo-Katan than what we see, uh, you know, in the trailer or what we have seen so far in in the trailer. So, um, very cool that we could see some some growth yeah, just, and evolution. It, it, it's funny how she's like she was raised one way she thinks one very clear way well she was she should have been raised by essentially royalty yeah but then she decided to go rogue with a bunch of nut jobs on a moon and and be terrorist to their own people like i i i I take every chance i can to remind people that bo katan is was a pretty horrible person yeah and one of the main reasons mandalore was so easily conquered yeah, I she mean, helped, she, she was, helped to fracture her people. I mean, she she was a part of that divide between her and her sister and yeah. allowed Vizsla and then Maul to overthrow Satine and get full control of Mandalore proper. Yeah, I mean, she was basically one of the founding members of yes. the hundred uh, percent. She was yeah. she was Death his Watch. lieutenant. She was yeah. Vizsla's lieutenant. Number well, two. There you go. I mean, and you can tell that she's uh, had a change from that time. So, and, and you would think that she would be the Kool Aid drinker. That's why I'm I'm almost more interested to see Bo Katan and the Armorer talk than anyone else in season three. I think the reason that Bo Katan isn't is because she's done it once, and I, I think that that's one thing too. Is like you, you even kind of see that now in like society. Like if you've been if like you've been in a cult before, you can like spot some of these things about like yeah, and cults. you're very you're very uh susceptible I, I, to like uh like suggestion like you're very gullible typically. But but like you're saying, if you've gotten out of a cult, you've gotten and you, out you can it. you can recognize it. Then you you kind of become a, a huge voice against them and like no exactly. listen like that shit's fucking crazy. It's like so. I've been down this road before. It's like if you're All gonna right. trust anybody on this shit, trust me because I was living on a compound and fucking milking sheep and all this other shit. Right. You know, like you have the experience and you like push hard against that kind of stuff because you know what happens. Okay. All right, well, I'll take I'll take the next one here. I'll I'll give you yeah. the long ass Gene Carlo one. Yes, the, so. the big Gene Carlos spiel. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad we're taking turns here. Uh, next one comes from who who I think I I still think she has not feelings for Din, but she has like a, an intuition that Din Djarin is something special and is going to help push her version of the Mandalorian culture forward. Okay. Yeah. But uh, Emily Swallow, who plays the armor, teased that we, we're probably going to see a lot more of her than we have in season one and season two. So she says, one of the things I really appreciate about the armor is that she never shies away from a challenge. She's most of the time enjoyed someone else have to deal with the challenges, but I don't think she shies away from them for herself. And I think she... I think we all enjoy watching other people work through challenges because we get to see them learn and that sort of encourages us to learn because so we'll get to see these characters learn. <laughs> she's I think, like trying I think she's not really, to give up. Yeah, so. exactly, dude. She's like, fuck, I almost went like, down a bad path. That. Oh shit, I almost did it again. Yeah. Um, so really what we can get out of this quote is she is going to have a much larger role and at one point in time, her and Bo's ideologies are probably going to have to be resolved in the yeah. differences between them. 
And uh, it, it sounds like this time she may actually be doing the resolving than sending Heavy or Din to do it for her. That's kind of yeah. what I I processed here. Yeah, I mean, at this point, too, like her covert is essentially zero people. Like her covert yeah. is Heavy her Mando and, and Paz. Din. That's it. And, and, and she Din, kicked Din the fuck out. She, yeah, she I was fucking saying, banned them. At this point, we have no idea if Din is in this or not anymore. So really, it's just her and Vizsla and... You know, at some point you have to come out and you have to make yourself known and try to at least try to rebuild your covert or you just say like, hey, gigs up. It's time for us to come together and fucking make something happen. I still think, I mean, outside of having her covert exterminated because they they chose to help Din in, in season one, I there's a part of me that feels like everything that has happened up until now is by design, the armorer's yeah. design. Like, I, I think she she wanted Din to get the Darksaber. I think she wanted him to break oh, yeah. the code. And I think she wanted him because she's the one that told him how to redeem himself. It's almost like she has been working towards this, this Mandalore event since exile. And Din is kind of like, is her linchpin. And, yeah. and indirectly, she is inching him towards his destiny which we all are guessing is going to be to reclaim his heritage by visiting the the moving waters or whatever is under the mines of Mandalore and potentially awake the Mythosaur. So I, I, I do think the armorer knows exactly what she's doing with Din up until this point in time. I, I, I do think so as well. And that's like some typical cult leader type of shit too, is to like say, hey, you fucked up. I'm kicking you out, but yeah, you can exactly. get back in if <laughs> Dangling you do the this. Carrot. Yeah, but it, it, you're right. But it's all under the guise of you're furthering my end goal. Yeah. So she she wants Din to kind of be this poster boy to to I think be like, see, look, it's our way that reclaimed Mandalore through Din Djarin because he followed the creed. You Bo Katans, you Night Owl fucks. See, we can do it if you follow the creed and then I think they'll all have to figure out like, all right, fuck it. We got to have compromise because Gideon, the empire or the remnant, these assholes are still knocking on our door. All right, go ahead, dude. Chew on that fucking Esposito. (laughs) Oh, here's this Esposito thing right here. (laughs) Oh dude, it's like eight paragraphs long. Uh, He he is a very (laughs) verbose individual. I'll just put it that way. I'm not going to lie. I have read it. It's a great quote. Like he says some very deep shit as he explains kind of what the show's themes mean to him. But my goodness, is he an articulate and a very uh, talky type of person? He is. He is. So he says, (laughs) Moff Gideon would really like to be a Mandalorian and there's a reason for it. That's his psychological real problem. He really wants to be a Mandalorian because the strength and power of the Mandalorians is not necessarily that they are individuals. It's that they are part of a group that have an ideal and a morality. And that to me is really powerful in our story. This journey takes, uh, this journey this guy takes points to, and he's referring to Pedro, the Mandalorian in such a beautiful way as the struggle. Um, And we hear it in his voice and we see it in his body. There's something about duty and being in service and action that galvanizes him to have to do it. And within that, like, oh, I'm done now. I'm done. But no, 
because wait a minute, I still have to learn something about who? About me. And that's phenomenal. And how do you resist that unjaded personality that allows you to see where you came from? How can you resist that? You hate that little child for a minute. You hate that because it's showing you what you were. And then you became this fucking warrior. So all these elements of the story really intrigue me and allow me to be really thankful and grateful to be in this universe. A, a fucking men, Gene Carlo. Like, I, I feel like he just delivered a sermon on Star yeah. Wars right there. It's so like, very, very preach, brother, preach. But yeah, I mean, uh, I can see what he means. Like he was a part of the imperial superstructure, which was one, both strong and a part of a group. And they had a shared morality, but now and he, he was Empire, on Mandalore. Like it literally, yeah. I mean, he, he, he does kind of have like this obsession with Mandalore clearly. Yeah. And now that the empire is completely dissolved and he's not a part of a group and he doesn't have a shared morality with anybody else, he looks at the next closest thing to it for him, which was like you said, the Mandalorians, because that's where he was. Like he knows that this culture is, like a strong warrior. Gideon almost like, let, like let's rewind to early Gideon years with the empire. He He's almost seeming like a serial Karn, right? Like he's, 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 he's like this obsessive freak with, with control and, and, and doing right. And, you know, he, he's stationed on Mandalore. He's probably a weakling. He's seen the Mandalorians and, and who they were and what they were and what it took for the empire to quell them. And, you know, over time, he starts to feel like I could be that. I am that. I got the dark saber. Yeah. I mean, all this shit. It's it's like he's become obsessed with Mandalorians and 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 yeah. what they were and what they could return to be. And it he's he's be probably not he's probably not wrong for wanting to take them out before they can reorganize. Because you know, once that happens, that that that's a that's a dark dark sign for the the remnant although i think we can safely say that it probably never happens in full force because the first order is allowed to come back and 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 kind of even go beyond what the empire was able to create in terms of a military machine what they're allowed to amass with no one fucking with them so Sadly, the Mandalorians either go full pacifist after reuniting or they truly can never get their fucking beef figured out and they yeah. remain a nomad race. Yeah, I would just say like, hey, if if I was the Mandalorians, I'd be like, look, we don't get involved with this, you know, galaxy wide shit anymore. We've already done it a couple of times and it never works out for us. So you you fucking fight your own battles. We have our own shit to deal just- with. They're like, yo, it, it took us centuries to figure out our own internal bullshit between yeah. Mandalorians. We finally figured it out thanks to the, our Lord and Savior, Din Djarin. So we out. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. like that. We, I like that. Like, fuck we, you guys. We're not involved anymore. Fuck we you done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done. Good luck. Um, we only got about 20 minutes left before we hit Matt's uh, Matt's Yeah, we'll be all right. So it's it's fan segment time. Let's do it. Yes, it is. It's fan segment time. There is one thing that I'm going to share with you real quick, Matt. I don't know if you saw this before, but I'm going to drop it in the Slack. This is basically just a a, a PSA, but it seems like this is a confirmed, this guy is in talks to direct a Star Wars film. Um, And this is Sean Levy. 
if oh, you okay. are. I, I think uh, someone in the live stream put that up and I, I missed it as we moved into a new subject. Yeah. But uh, Sean Levy, known for his work on uh, as a director and producer on The Adam Project, that's Netflix uh, movie with Ryan Reynolds, Free Guy, Stranger Things, okay, uh, Shadow down. and Bone, Arrival. So I like him. Um, he has essentially confirmed that after he's finished with his work on Deadpool three and stranger things that he may be moving into a star Wars role. So interesting, but it's, but it's no like, Oh, he's directing them. They've learned like, have they learned their lesson? In, I don't know. It announcing? says Sean Levy in talks to direct a star Wars film after Deadpool three and stranger but, but things. Th- final it's not episodes. like from Lucasfilm. So th- this, no, just... this is from deadline, but this is also Sean Levy himself saying, yep, oh. that's true. E- Ooh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, well, Sean hopefully Levy. it's a TV show. Cause if it isn't, it's probably dead in the water, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll see if they're talking a movie, Sean, we love you. Adam project. <laughs> great. Stranger things. Fantastic. Your your Star Wars movie will probably never see the light of day. So yeah, we'll, just, we'll just see make sure happens. it's a TV show if you're doing yeah, anything. It's like, can it be? Can, if it is a movie, can it be released on Disney Plus? <laughs> I would prefer it that way. <laughs> yeah, like, just straight to fucking streamers. How sad streams. would that be for the Star Wars franchise if we just get to straight to streaming platforms? It's like the old Walmart bins. It's been relegated to Walmart bin movie material. It we may we may be at that uh, point. But hey, all we'll right, see. dude. We'll like see. you said, you're right. We got to get things moving along. Thank you for that. So it is time for the fan segment, and the first way to get involved in the fan segment every week is to reply or interact with our question of the week it gets posted on instagram at star wars time show either monday night tuesday morning so this week the question is what was your favorite or least favorite part from andor episode nine nobody's listening okay well i think we had one story reply and very or all right i'll I'll hit the story here this is kingdom of weird Indeed, you joined us for a little bit in today's show. Thank you. My favorite bit is all the British actors flexing their acting skills from start to end. I really believe in these characters. The grit and believability is a long way from what we got in the book of Boba Fett. (laughs) I don't want to bring one show up by knocking another down because I still love Tibabuff. But geez, this show makes Boba's look like it was filmed on Sesame Street. Kino, Dedra, and Mothma really shone the most for me in episode 9, and I'm excited for the 10th. How many episodes in an Andor series? Never more than 12. M-T-F-B-W-Y. That is, that's a good callback to the uh, never more than 12. Good stuff there from kingdom of weird uh next up 2797 studios says i enjoyed this episode i think it put the brutality of the empire forward seeing ulaf just basically die on the work line was the awakening the other prisoners needed kino finally seeing the truth nobody's getting out more tension more world building Andor is edging its way to a massive payoff and i'm all you know, I think Bat was getting a little sexual in that comment. Andor is edging, edging its edging way its to a massive <laughs> payoff. He could have just said like a massive load. And he's <laughs> all for it. He was he was right there. He was right on the edge. <laughs> yes, I mean good stuff there from from Bat. Uh next up, Mythos Boba says the least favorite part 
was when it started <laughs> no, and my favorite Mythos, part was when it finished. <laughs> I love Mythos. He's one of our uh, biggest fans, but dude hates Andor. Uh, he says, only joking. I didn't actually watch it, but I'm guessing there was not much happening and a lot of talking. <laughs> and then you get blue balled at the end. Honestly, <laughs> that was kind of what this episode was. Hey, man, that, that's Andor for you. Like, uh, you know, if you're someone that, that doesn't like the wait, then maybe maybe just tune out until 10, 11, 12. The, display, the whole but, season is dropped. But, <laughs> I, you know, like I said, Mythos loved the guy. I mean, he's a huge rapper of the Star Wars time show. Yeah. So I'm not going to I'm not going to go in on him. Uh, but but I, I I this this comment doesn't surprise me at all because I've seen some <laughs> of his stories like Andor he's like you know he'd rather watch paint dry or stab out your eyes type of stuff. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Mythos Boba always bringing the heat. He says, uh, or next up it's Star Wars Black Series clip says, seeing Kino's belief in the prison system fade as the episode went on was great. He was so focused on counting down his days and doing his job that he didn't question what was going on around him. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see what he's capable of now that he's on board with the escape plan. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly, Kino knows a lot that he's never shared with anyone. That, I mean, that's why Cassian earlier was like, hey, man, before you get out, can you just tell me what you know? Because Kino being all rough and gruff, you know, just like anyone else, if you're incarcerated, you're probably every day thinking of ways to get out, scanning stuff, counting people, so on and so forth. So I think we're all going to be surprised with how much information Kino actually has. And and he very well could be the mastermind in in helping to plan the escape. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has an incredible amount of of knowledge of this facility just by being here, like you said. And and pull and pull because he's a shift leader. So, I mean... He, he he is going to kind of be the let's fucking go, guys. Unit 52D March like that. Cassian yeah. is more going to be like that. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it type of guy. Like, oh, yeah, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it, do it. And then Kino, I think, is truly going to be the lead of this prison break. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, good stuff there from Star Wars Black Series clips. We'll see if Kino makes it out alive. I think he's going to die, but we'll see. He's he's done, man. Fuck it. Then we're going to find out. We're going to be like, all right, in the episode, they're going to be like, okay, everybody needs code names. Kino, your code name is Snoke. And we're like, oh God. Yeah. No, and there's going to be an end credit scene where you see his body being delivered to uh, Exegol. Yeah. Exegol. (laughs) And then probably goes, good, good. That's the body I needed. Exactly. All right, last one up on this is Plus Ultra Sydney. And she says, when Cyril tells Deidre he loves her, and she's like, if I see you again, you'll be arrested, rolling on the floor laughing out loud. Yeah, I mean, Creep. like that, that scene was just like, it was so weird. I, you know I what, think, dude? I think she liked it. I, I really think she liked it, though. Like when he grabs her arm. She could have fucking arrested him right there, but she liked it. She had that look like, you know what? You fucking creep, but you're kind of saying the right thing and you're turning me on a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't They're know. They're both fucked we'll up see. people, man. They're both fucked up people. I know, but like Dedra is somebody and Cyril's just a sad piece of shit who lives in his mom's basement. Yeah. I don't so, know. He talks, uh, he talks a lot about order and control and, and law. And I don't yeah, know, maybe, but he that, maybe that's what gets her order in his own fucking cereal bowl. 
Like a lot of people talk like that and have uh, no ability to actually do anything about it. Yeah, I know. Um, so uh, good stuff there on question of Reek responses. Right. Thank you, everybody, for responding to the post. If you want to get involved with that segment, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show and check your feed or check our feed around Tuesday morning. The the question should be posted, and then you just drop your response right in the comments. What, what if <laughs> what if season one ends? Kind of like the end of Rogue One, but it, it's not. It's going to be Cyril and Deidre embracing oh, on Ferrix as his folly explodes kills. behind them and allows the good guys to win. You yeah, know, it it's like. <laughs> Ah, that would be hilarious never gonna happen but that'd be that'd be the the funniest fucking callback to the end of rogue one you see cyril daedra i fucked up but i love you and he's holding her and then just like yeah explodes (laughs) okay all right tone see you later buddy you work that shift he's one of our uh, one of our number one fans as well we'll see you tones 1138 all right it's time to close things out with the second part of the fan segment here in the star wars time show yes it's true we dedicate segments to our fans and this one is our top five star wars fan artist features of the week covering halloween to 11 7 2022 so the way you get involved here is Tag us at Star Wars Time Show. Add tag at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. Use hashtag Star Wars Time Show in your Star Wars content. Okay? Doesn't have to be toy photography. Doesn't have to be real ass paint. It has to be Star Wars. So tag us. I'll look at them. I'll feature them throughout the week. And then Nick will pick the weekly champs every Monday. And that is where we are at now. So who do we got here? Who's number one? First up is at six, the oh, spelled is- out. So S I X, the number one S I X underscore photos on Instagram. And this is a just incredible shot here of, of Darth Revan holding uh, a, a Sith holocron also holding his ignited lightsaber with this beautifully like, uh, you know, dirty armor the, the iconic mask. I mean, the whole thing looks like he just came out of, like, dragged himself out of hell and is now, like, back to, to oh, yeah. cut the, somebody's head The weathering head is, is killer. Dude, yeah. this is a custom-made 1-6 scale Darth Revan. That is insane. That right? is absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah I, I forget who made it. It's not 616. I think it's 1-6-J. It is one six J. Okay, yes. yeah, one six J made this fucking thing, and I need to find one six J and get a custom one six scale Darth Revan because as as this image from six one six showcases, he makes for a great fucking Barbie sized Star Wars collectible, and I, I don't know what body one six J used, but I, I kind of like how Revan's a little fucking stacked. You know what I mean, like. Like, yeah, it's like th- this version of Revan fucking worked out like yeah. big time with Arnold Schwarzenegger gym. type of shit. Maybe maybe took some HGH, some fucking <laughs> test. Uh, but yeah, it's just a it's a boss shot and, and a, just a marvelous custom Star Wars figure. I mean, come on. I, I don't even want to ask how much this thing probably cost to commission. Uh, yeah. If you think, Nick, a standard a retail bot one six scale no customizations can get as high as 300 to 400 bucks i bet this thing was double easily oh, 
Yeah, easily, easily. I think it was double. Because there's no, yeah, I mean, yeah. all the parts had, I'm guessing, had to been crafted. Custom made. Yeah, yeah it's like not like you made. could, outside of the body itself, where the fuck are you getting a Darth Revan costume at 1-6 scale? I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. great stuff there. Good, good stuff. At 1-6J for the custom and at 616 underscore photos for this amazing That's shot. Right. That's right. It's a twofer. Uh, we yeah, got another two for it looks like on your second choice here. The next one here is, yes, it says cool shot from MM underscore studios, except studios is spelled with, with a, a zero. zero and Empire of Custom 66. And what we have here is an awesome shot, action shot of some stormtroopers in the middle of a shootout. And I believe these are custom stormtroopers as well. Is that correct? Yeah, they're 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 weathered. You know, you you, you custom don't weathering. You, you can't. Yeah, you have to get yourself some shoe polish or other gritty shit there and wipe it on with a rag. Wipe it off. But yeah, oh, it, it's, it's I, Empire of Customs for the for the sparkler effects. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a it was a collab shot. I got yelled at because I only posted okay. MM Studios because that's the account that tagged us. But you know, on Instagram now you can. It's like a like share. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, weird. It's like if 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 you set it up a certain way, you can have the the a singular post will show up on two different accounts feeds as if it was their post. So yes, yeah. Yes. E either way, this is a collab shot. But you're right. It, it's just the it's the little stuff. I like the low light. I think the sparkler work is fantastic. You get it, some yes. really great bokeh, but it doesn't dominate the shot. And it's just it's the dark tone, the grittiness to it. I I um, I love. The Empire, at least the way they look. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's not, it, you know, Stormtrooper shots are always going to be high on my list. This this one just kind of stood out this week. It does. It the Like you said, the weathering's great. The bokeh makes it pop. The posing mm -hmm. is good, good posing, too. yep. Use of, like, uh, foreground and background imagery with the two other Stormtroopers in the background also firing at their targets, so... Uh, strong overall composition and execution here from MM underscore studios and Empire of Customs 66. So good Get stuff it. there. Uh, next up, uh, we were talking about press pause photography earlier because he's in the chat. And guess what? He pops up on the top five for probably one of the best Dooku shots I've ever yeah, seen. Titties is all I got to say. Like just, just shots like, the tits, man absolutely beautiful so what we see here is count dooku and off in the background you see grievous with his lightsabers ignited also flanked by two b2 battle droids up front getting ready to take on two jedi that are in the foreground of the scene unfortunately and matt i don't know if you can tell oh, no, it, if one of them it, is anakin it's both it's it's the guys it's, it's the okay, generals say, it's, it's kenobi and skywalker yep so there we go. So, and that's a, really Nick. Here, here's the the mastery of this shot. Th this shot's mixed scale. Okay, so okay, everything in the foreground is one six. Everything in the background is one twelve. Man, and, and that just it just adds so many layers in in a in a sense of depth to this shot. It does. I mean, everything yeah. in the background. It, there there are a lot of dio parts for one twelve scale, but press pauses kind of figure out a way to to loop things in here. So yeah, I mean, this is coming off of tales of the Jedi. This is like a perfect shot to, to take in to honor Dooku who now because of three little cartoons is one of the most interesting star Wars characters to me, period. Like oh, the yeah. guy I mean, 
the guy really had a, a value system and a belief system. He wasn't just a, ha, 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 I'm the old bad guy, man. Bah! Yeah, and Which, like he had a... <laughs> A justifiable oh, fall. From I fucked the up. This side. is all one. This is all one twelve. This is all one twelve. Oh, it's all one twelve. So this yeah, is confirmed. I, I know. He, he mixes. Yeah, he mixes scales in 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 old shots that I think we featured on this show. Yeah. This one's all one twelve. So that, that's a hell of a Dooku. He definitely got a an aftermarket sculpt. I would imagine because uh, that doesn't look like the Black Series sculpt or even the figure arts. I could be wrong. Either way, who custom cares? head, he says, okay, by Casting head. Cave. There we go. Um, so it looks like the, the head of the Dooku is a custom head by at Casting Cave. Well, so. I fucked up the breakdown, but I can't fuck up how good this shot is. So That's just true. make sure to uh, check it out. <laughs> yes. Give him a follow at press underscore pause underscore photography and add another underscore there at the end. Um, just, just for fucking shits and giggles. Yeah. Just do it. Just put an extra one in there. Uh, Connor's a, a, a fucking killer when it comes to toy photography on the Star Wars side of things and on other sides of things like DC and Marvel. Um, oh, yeah. So make sure to go give him a follow. Next up in the top five is a, a super crisp shot here from at Uncanny Figures. And I mean, when it comes to like portrait style imagery and shots, I don't no know better. how much better you can get than this you right here you, you of, of our Neo Boba Fett freshly painted, I may say, freshly painted Boba Fett stepping off of the Slave One in the background. And it's just this this kind of mid chest up shot holding his his carbine rifle and just all of his his uh, Boba Fett glory on display. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you, you hit it. Uncanny Figures just excels at making Star Wars f- toys and, and the resulting photos feel like stills from the actual production. And, and it's a mix of just knowing how to light stuff, but uh, Uncanny is also like a digital art master that you know can create backgrounds digitally that look like the actual sets on the shows uh, the, the color grading here is perfect to really match the lighting used to to light boba with the darker tones of the background and i mean this is honestly probably one of uncanny's more just straight on simple portraits i mean he's he's folded these characters into the exact movie scenes and i'm not talking like the digirama technique here's a screen here's my figure it's like, no, I'll just go ahead and craft a digital background to perfectly match the lighting I'm using. And oh, yeah. uh, it's just the, the account, it has obscenely good looking, smooth one six scale photography. That's right. It, it's truly beautiful what he's able to pull off. Uh, you can go in on his account, see some Star Wars stuff, see some DC stuff. Uh, I mean, I mean, Superman and Batman have been all over his feed recently, but you got Star Wars in there as well. So make sure to go follow Uncanny Figures. This guy is absolutely fantastic at toy photography and capturing a a true visage of these of these characters. So uh, true stuff there. And finally, in the top five, (laughs) I have so I have recently. I've recently gotten back into skateboarding a little bit. I was, I, I, Oh shit. I, Nick's like, getting a one wheel. Let's no, do I'm it. <laughs> I'm no, coming. Hey, one. you get a one wheel. I'm coming to Austin. I need a riding I, partner. I want to flow with someone else. <laughs> so Taylor and I both bought 
skateboards, like real, like actual skateboards. And two one, to, he's getting two one wheels. Two one Come wheels. on, two. one wheel, one wheel. <laughs> Nick needs a one wheel. Oh man. But uh, what we see here is Darth Vader ripping it up on a skateboard, <laughs> about to grind down a handrail, uh, down a bunch of stairs. And what I will say about this shot is it is so, it, like, the the fact that he got Vader in this pose. Yeah, Chava that Fernando, looks, that is. Oh, yes, at Chava.Fernando on Instagram. Um, he's got Vader <laughs> in this perfect pose where his feet are on the board. He's got, like, this kind of jump with his arms out oh, like yeah. you would when you're ollieing on a skateboard. Perfect position by the handrail. Good little bit of... Uh, of sunlight and, and, and lens flare off to the left side of the picture. I just thought it was such a well-executed, fun, out of Star Wars, but Star Wars character shot that it, it had to make the top five. Yeah, it's just anytime you see a character as serious as Darth Vader having a good time, it, it stands out. You know, there there's, there's a few accounts that specialize in, in making vader shots where vader is doing things that vader would never consider doing and 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 that's what java fernando has achieved here it's just it's funny to see this so serious sith lord who you know never smiled or 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 ever felt positive in his life until (laughs) he died literally until he died enjoying some sun and shredding the rails on a skateboard. It's just, it's fantastic. It's just, it's great subject matter here. And, and you're right. It, the posing and, and getting this little plastic dickhead. And I'm sure there was maybe some sticky tack used to keep the little skateboard on there. And even the capes kind of blowing around, feeling the wind as he jumps up to hit the rail. It's just, it's a fun shot. And, and we always like star Wars humor over here. So a good choice by young Nick. Oh, yes, indeed. So uh, at Chava, C-H-A-V-A dot Fernando on Instagram, make sure to go give them a follow because uh, there's a ton of fun stuff over on the feed. So that is the end of the top five. And That's that right. is the end of the show. You got one minute left before <laughs> five Taxes and rules apply. That yes. sound like the micro machine man. Although That's how many of you even remember that guy? Oh, All right, gosh. people, Nick's not wrong. I, I got to go, but we know what to do at the end of the star Wars time show. And that is head on over to star Wars time.net, write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you got to do. Cause that's the best place to send new and prospective fans. All right. Just like, Hey, I sat down for a few hours. I might've wasted my life, but these guys don't say a ton of stupid shit. You may want to go check them out. StarWarsTime.net. Once they get there, they can find all the podcast platforms we're on to sub to. They can sub to the YouTube channel. Just remember, if you are new here and you liked it, the best way you can repay us for our time and our content that we have created, we are creators. Ratings, reviews, comments, likes, do the dance, okay? Keep us going. Let's go. Let's get those numbers back up. We need more friends. I like seeing people in here that we've never seen before show up. It's interesting. We need those different point of views. We love you diehards, but you know, you're, you're essentially uh, recurring characters in the show. We need some new ones. Keeps the discussion lively. All right, my friends, I got to hit it. Real life is calling, but you know what to do. There's always time for Star Wars time. Don't forget it. Keep them coming. Preach it out there, because if you do, 
and they listen to it, they too will know that if they listen to the Star Wars Time Show at least a few times a week, maybe a couple times a month, the Force will be with them. Always. Always.